Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send him! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me, as always, the snowflake himself, Luke Holmes. I wish I was a snowflake, Graham, because I would get so offended by everything you have to say to me on the introductions <laughs> to the podcast. I know, I've taken some shots. Every, every week, every every week for the last, was it like 145 weeks we've done this podcast now? Something yeah. Like that. Yeah, been insulted in some form of way. <laughs> Great. How are we doing? Not too bad. Uh, I, I Yes, I'm probably a little groggy, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I saw the messages in WhatsApp. The uh, the the lemon has made his return. I see. Oh dear, yes. Yeah, obviously, people will not understand that, but Graham's nickname in our group is is Lemon Graham Lemon Chapel. So, yeah. <laughs> for context, lemons were had, and as was tequila. Um, I was going to say that's the only reasonable drink to have to lemon with. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, everything is sore. <laughs> Did you do suicide shots? Uh, what are suicide shots? Where you get lemon, so you lick the lemon off the side of your hand and then pour lemon into your eyes and then drink a shot of tequila. You're like the third person who's said this to me about the lemon in the eye thing. I thought people were taking the piss when they, come, when they came to I only to know that. it off a film. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, surely Graham's that kind of guy that would do that kind of thing. I might have to try it at some point, but no, I did not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't last night. I just settled for the regular the regular tequila shot uh, and my head is mo- my head is only sore because uh, I got spun around by some lady and she spun me into like a pillar and like it hit my head <laughs> I realized so this morning like there's like a cut of like above my eye where I was bleeding it was like oh oh bloody hell but no one, no one saw because like it was just it was just perfectly underneath my glasses so like no one would have would have seen it typical um but it was a, yeah it was a good night uh, are you all set present wise i know you don't buy your presents of course but uh <laughs> i do you bought what your do presents you this year i thought i've always bought my own presents. no 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 we've been over this on this podcast about your uh some of your family doing your shopping for you oh if, uh, if they do it'd be only like a couple of occasional bits i buy like 75 80 percent okay it, normally what happens is if they see something <laughs> for themselves that they want whilst they're in a shop and they messaged me and was like, I want this. Would you buy me for Christmas? I will say, yeah, sure, that's fine. But I'm not like Matthew Thibault, Thibault, sorry, who uh, gets everybody else to buy Oh, that's all the right. Sorry, all. sorry, I am confusing. Sorry, that's what I was confusing with. Yes, yeah. Matt, Matt just gives money to people <laughs> and then they even wrap it themselves for themselves. That's that's the thing that gets me. Oh my God. When I... cash money is, is easy for to come by them, that's why I come come across with that. Oh, listen, I, I don't know how, like he's... Cash is king. Li- living up in his, in his Renault Clio. Hmm. Oh. Man's, man's moving up in the world, you know. He suddenly likes oh. French cars, which I think is hilarious. But, uh... Yeah, of all things, I had to go Renault. Come on. Could be worse. He could have gone. He could have gone for a Spanish car. The the the, the turbo is probably going to sack itself halfway through driving. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of car parts that can remove themselves from the equation. Some, <laughs> like, some red or Alpine wheel. joke. Yeah, just to throw Alpine under the bus. Oh, brilliant. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, so, sorry, Matthew. <laughs> 
you, you had to throw him never, under the bus though. never safe this time of year i'm afraid with those antics oh dear it is that time of year though and this is a podcast that we enjoy every every year it is of course our preseason predictions podcast i think i don't know if this is this is, is this the first time that this has fallen as the last podcast before christmas because it feels like it might be no i, I think it is yeah we are, yeah, we're essentially reacting to our preseason predictions. So, mm-hmm. get the reacts content in because obviously that blows up on YouTube and TikTok and stuff for the moment. Well, the last few years, um, I didn't even realize it was over two hours twenty minutes long. What? Yeah, the preseason one. Our preseason predictions this year was two hours and twenty three minutes. That is our longest part. I think I remember us sitting there and we were both like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I'm ready for the toilet after that one. <laughs> but like, I was going through the questions again, like, because I, I wrote them, I have them down here in my notes section, I wrote them at the, at the time. And it, they were all, it was all fairly, fairly fluid. Like, it was just a lot yeah, of yeah. stuff Like it was that was there. <laughs> now, now, see, I big brained it. And because we we when we was planning the podcast and like, when we sort of talk off, ca- off, off camera, should I say, mm. We were sort of saying, oh, we'll have to listen to the podcast again. And then I remembered I had a brainwave at the start of the year to write down everything that I have for the preseason predictions and not delete the note like I did last year. So I don't have to listen to that podcast again. I have my answers all written down. Ah, see, I ha- I have, I'm the same. I have mine, but I went through it again so I could hear yours. Yeah. See, I'm very tight for time. So <laughs> this is one of my busiest weeks. The last two weeks for me have been insanely busy. Uh, so for me it's it's tough to listen to are you building toys I I, I work actually we have been so really yeah (laughs) doing like little chairs and things for like kids and stuff so I was going to make a, some sort of Santa's workshop joke but no it's I thought he was going to say Santa's sack joke but that's a bit weird well yeah yeah thanks (laughs) I I, I wish I had actually um, my favorite, my favorite part to begin this podcast was you said uh, I enjoyed to see how much of a twat I will look like at the end of the year. That's always the case, though, isn't it? <laughs> we always sit there and think, "Oh God, why have I said this?" And I, I listened to the mid-season predictions mm. because that's the first time we've done that this year as like an official like thing. We've probably like done it as random things in previous years, but this was the first year we've actually sat down and done a proper mid-season predictions. And I listened to two of them straight away, and I was like, "What are we on about here?" There was so much that has changed oh. in the time frame from then to now, and I will bring it up. I will sprinkle some of the mid-season ones in as we're going here. So, mm. yeah, the pre our pre-season ones that we did back in it was actually I think it was Agreed. February twenty-eighth, actually, as it as it turned out. Yeah, a lot of the season actually started in March, not February. Okay, yeah, it's next year. <laughs> the I thought we did pretty well, uh, but it was we were work. We the big thing, the the unknown we were working with was what uh, like was Aston Martin for real? Was the um, so this kind of yes. factored into quite a number of our uh, <laughs> predictions. And obviously, I haven't listened to this, so I'm just going to premise this and say I was very big on Aston. So please be, uh, yeah, were. please be kind to me. Well, I mean, this is the time of the year where, we've, where you know we've, there's egg on egg on face. I was I was right for some of it. I think we both had some pretty good ones here, so yeah, we'll run through it and yeah, we'll um, again we use this as a kind of somewhat of a measure to review the season somewhat and the th- see who 
See, we've the got true goaters. Yeah. So the predictions. Yeah. The first one we asked: uh, Will the field close up in 2023? That's how he opened this up. Now, this came off of obviously Verstappen and Red Bull being pretty, pretty the dominant. Well, yeah, pretty much the dominant force towards the back end of 2022. So, you said. Uh, I thought the Europe, the Europe part was interesting, that the field should close to within a second. Oh, oh, oh. Chef's kiss, Graham. Mm. Chef's kiss. I, I think I'm pretty right with that. For the large part, yeah, I think I think so. I think it was a couple of qualifying In terms of sessions. qualifying, yeah. yeah, there was quite a few sessions where we was close to being like on that second like borderline, wasn't we? Yeah, it was like ruined by like either like a lap time getting deleted or someone going off or whatever. Like, and that would be the reason we wouldn't have the entire grid covered by like a second or less. Yeah, can I just say, I, I was thinking about this the other day. How blessed was we were qualifying this year? Yeah, really flipping good. Yeah, it was one of the better seasons for qualifying in terms of like randomness and like how close it actually became. Because it was, I was watching a clip on TikTok and it was the Italian Grand Prix qualifying, and you just had lap times changing. At the top of the t- at the top of Q three all the time, so so good, so so good qualifying this year. You know, Saturday's a bumper bumper this year. Uh, I like to you what you also said here. You, you said you said there'd be no direct last team. That yeah. it would be kind of change from place to place, and that was bang on. Yeah, that, that I, I thought that just based on what I'd seen in testing because it was also muddled. I know testing doesn't really give a true picture and what have you, but. I and I believe that the race also said it was sort of a very tight picture to overlook. It was just I couldn't pin down who would actually be there, so that's why I went for the random randomness of uh, there being no set last team. Mm. I do think it was a good call. Uh, my thought on it was I said not at the front, but the gap from the midfield to third I think will close up. Uh, and well, that very much was the case, wasn't it? The we saw Aston mm. Martin close up. We saw McLaren obviously come in later in the season. Some of that was helped by, I would say, Ferrari and Mercedes kind of dropping off somewhat, and Red Bull kind of pulling away a little bit more. But I, yeah, you got to you got to factor in Mercedes and Ferrari dropping the ball, mm-hmm. Red Bull not developing the car past the summer break, and things like that. Mm. Uh, I said the midfield would be a madness and there wouldn't be as much of a gap to the last team. It would be track and driver dependent. I think we saw that in spades in, in across the entire season. Like Again, the, the stuff at the front didn't really change much, but we saw the slowest team vary, uh, driver performance being pretty influential in who was towards the back rather than just if you're in a Haas, for example, you're in the, at the back. There wasn't quite so much of that. Hmm. Uh, the only thing, I guess, the only two consistent were like if you were Kevin Magnussen or Logan Sargent, you'd be pro and Nick DeVries uh, at the start. You were probably, you know, mostly guaranteed to be close to the back. But yeah, that got a little bit, uh, that got less the case as the season went on. Yeah, it did. So yeah, I think we did pretty well for that one, all things considered. But it's one of the easier ones, I suppose, to uh, just a yes or no kind of kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, next up, we asked what the biggest argument in the paddock will be in 2023 kind of an off-track story mm. yeah, i liked your one for this actually yeah i i went with increasing the entry fee for the new teams which is it was sort of a topic of discussion but it wasn't as prominent as i thought yeah, it would be to, I, to be fair to you i i'm surprised it wasn't because there was a lot of kerfuffle about it towards like Pre-season testing and towards the back end of last year, I want to say, mm. 
But this year, not really that much, to be honest. It was obviously F1's been very hush hush, keeping Andre under the carpet and not really saying much on it. So it's sort of not really come to fruition on that sense, has it? Hmm. Which is, I, I'm I'm kind of surprised at, but I thought it would be more more out there than it actually was. It's one of those I suspect it will come up again at some point. Yeah, definitely will. Because like like we've been banging about, and all the teams have been banging on about. If someone knew he's coming in, then they, they don't want it to happen, so... Yeah. Uh, I put forward the tyre blanket ban for one of mine, uh, which... A spawn? Which was... It came up and was firmly rejected, so... But then that kind of went away. But the uh, it was a pretty easy answer, this one. It was always going to be the 11th team in F1. Yeah. It was one that ran through most of the year, and it's a All solution... It still is. We still haven't got a solution for it, and it kind of led into our next question... If we'll get an 11 team announced during the year, and if so, who? And I thought, yeah, we'll get the announcement. Uh, Dominic won't be happy about it. it. It will be Andretti, but... Uh, and while, you know, the FIA have, you know, there was the Andretti entry was the sole entry, we, we learned throughout the year a lot more about the different prospective entries between Ronan Carlin, uh, some, some other random ones like Lucky Sons. We saw High Tech kind of sneak in there as well. Uh, but there's, yeah, the Andretti was the one that was chosen, but... I thought we'd have an announcement about it or some sort of decision and we're getting close to the end of the year here and I suspect uh, we may not hear anything which led into what you had actually got bang on here. Yeah, I, I said there would be too much kickback and it wouldn't be a feasible option for this year for it to be sorted out because things, too many things needed to be sorted out and something like this just doesn't get sorted out very quickly. Mm. It was because there is just literally too many people to please in one situation and it's just you're never going to please everybody are you no especially with everybody sort of fighting for their own interests so it's sort of ended up being me saying that it was going to be delayed and i said 2025 at the earliest for anything to be announced actually i have written down here you said the off season of 24 which is very yeah. much in play yeah so that's it probably will happen. I think we'll, surely we get something over the winter. I imagine. Winter, pre winter prediction, Graham. <laughs> we'll hear about Andretti. Sure, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> probably rejected. Well, yeah. I, mean, I, 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 I'm fully in that boat. Oh yeah, like I'm, I'm more leaning towards. Again, we've been over. Like we know this a, a million yeah. times. It's a. We think it's a credible entry. We think it has no great reason to be rejected by this stage, other than greed. But. The likely outcome is that it is attracted, and then it's going to be interesting to see what happens after that, because obviously this wasn't a, exactly a cheap uh, endeavour, and you know there's already development no, on no. stuff going on, like car, etc. Yeah, car, driver, uh, factory. <laughs> yeah. So, even cutting down their IndyCar project, a total rebrand of the team, is yeah, it's not, not been cheap. Do you think it's distracted them from their IndyCar stuff and they're pretty, yes. paying a pretty but, uh, high price with a DHL going to Ganassi? Yeah, I, I really do. Because they were nowhere last year in IndyCar. No, it wasn't. Nowhere. Great. I know they had Grosjean fine at the front early on in the season, but Colton Hurta dropped off. Um, Kirkwood had some good moments. Kirkwood was their best driver by far, I thought, personally, mm. but... Oof, that's a, it, it, it's bad. <laughs> it was one of, one of their better seasons in recent times because Andretti haven't been really that great for a couple of years, but it still wasn't what they should be achieving. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I personally think it is affecting other endeavours. Yeah, so I imagine the restitution they'll be seeking, if it's rejected, will be pretty pretty high. Uh, we also oh, we also slid in uh, the rumours of the AlphaTauri sale, which were kind of prominent at that time of the year. Uh, this obviously ended up going away uh, during the season, as kind of was reaffirmed that you know there wouldn't be any, the team wouldn't be sold, and we know they're changing changing names and all that. So yeah, but that was that was that was a that was a thing for a part of the year. Was would, would they would they sell AlphaTauri? Hmm. So, yeah, we, we talked about that in that part as well. We moved on then to, at some point we snuck, uh, I was looking on this list, I must have either missed it or we, t- I had it on my list, we talked about the Vegas race. Yeah. Uh, and if oh, it would I be, it as, yeah, I must have, I must have blanked for a minute or two when we talked about it, but I remember the gist of it. We, we basically asked, you know, would it be the event F1 basically hoped for? And we both I, well, I was hopeful, but I wasn't expectant. And I think you were similarly sceptical as well. Yeah, I had the same scepticism I had when it came to Miami the year before. Um, I sort of said it would be a good event as a whole, like, everyone pushing everything else other than F1. But the actual race would be shit. Uh, <laughs> well. Well. <laughs> top three race of the year anybody yeah it was one of the better ones out there very much so and it wasn't like it wasn't some nonsense circumstance that made it better than it was like it wasn't like Verstappen no, came through race. from like 15th or something or uh you know it, like you know he was troubled at the front he was there was a battle going on there were battles elsewhere there was a couple of collisions here and there obviously Russell and Verstappen and uh, Norris had his off Piastri came together with Hamilton and there were some bits and bobs and yeah you had signs kind of coming through the field a bit and Perez but even that was offset by safety car but for the most part like it was a just a good race so fair play yeah because it was an actual battle at the front that's that's the main thing that yes that was that was that's the thing that sold it for both of us I think when we did our our awards last week yeah it was nice like we had three the three drivers you know in the lead at different parts of the race they were pretty close together for the entire thing yeah, I think it was uh, a differing strategy somewhat. Obviously, went in for Stappen's favour in this occasion. But yeah, it was a brilliant race. And yeah, so it was a bit, you know, it was going to be a bit flashy and cringy in terms of, you know, it's a, the event leading up to it. But once we got, to, and obviously, the, well, it obviously started horrifically with that Friday, the events of Friday. Uh, yeah, Friday. But once it got going, uh, race day qualifying, yeah, it was, uh, it was spot on. So fingers crossed it can uh, maintain its strong, strong start. Yes. Uh, speaking of additional races on the calendar, we wondered whether uh, we'd get a new track announcement for the foreseeable future, I or slash, would this be the last year of the Belgian Grand Prix? Mm. The developments on this one were interesting. There's a couple of tracks that obviously, yeah, we talked, we went through the, the track list uh, in terms of contracts and who's up for when. Uh, we didn't, Austria was unconfirmed past 2023. That ended up getting a 10 year extension, I believe. I yeah, it, on the eve of the Austri- Austrian Grand Prix. <laughs> mm, I think it was, I think it was 10 years. So that ended up going. Uh, Imla, we didn't even go to this year. And there's already chatter about that getting an extra year. So that goes to 2026 now, if that goes ahead. It does run out at the end of 2025, which we were both convinced. And I, I would be surprised if we weren't still convinced it's going to drop off after that, after that time. Yeah. Uh, the spa stuff, yeah, we got another year spa, but uh, obviously we both, men- I think we both mentioned the uh, South African Grand Prix in Kyalami, and 
talks on this have really cooled this year, mostly because of South Africa's position with Russia. Yeah, no, that was the main thing. And that's why this hasn't gone further for now. Again, we, I think we mentioned the time, but I'm sure it'll be brought up again at some point for now. But uh, yeah, the de- yeah, the details of which obviously we don't need to get into. But yeah, that it's that's been the the reported big reason why the, the whole side of things with the South African Grand Prix has pretty much cooled for now. I don't, it's not killed it. I think it will be, I think it will happen at some stage, but just for now it's been, uh, yeah, I think it's been cooled off. Yeah. Um, you had a few interesting uh, track suggestions. Yeah, because we'd had reports earlier in the uh, off-season that Korea was sort of becoming an option. Um, so mm. I sort of said Korea possibly, if anyone's going to sort of get any form of mention. Because, like, I wasn't... I've never been really hot on South Africa, to be honest. No, I'm not either. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not keen on it. But if, if we're going to go anywhere south, then I would. I, I said that we should go to South America a bit more. Maybe somewhere like Argentina, somewhere along them lines. I know we go to Brazil. Why not expand the South American market a little bit more? Yeah, the Argentina one. I remember it took me by surprise when you when you mentioned about you know, tapping more into the South American market. Um, I was just more sort of going for markets that they don't really tap into. That was sort of my my logic because the talks about Korea were sort of them going for that market specifically, and the talks of the second China race in previous years was mm. more for the expansion of the China interest in F one, and obviously they've expanded to three races in America because of that interest logically Antarctica and South America and South Africa next on the list <laughs> yeah man we'll go to Antarctica it w- honestly it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> would not surprise me in the in the slightest hey, man, we've seen F1 cars with, uh, go in the snow Red Bull have done it yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> some of the no pun intended some of the coldest pictures have come from from that like it looks unbelievable in photos yeah with the chains on the on the tyres it looks oh, it looks so so good the yeah, the I still think at some point the 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 Mushid Korean race is a street race around Seoul, yeah, which I think it would be for being pretty cool. It would theory. be cool. So be very cool, actually. I think there is. I still think there's scope for that to happen, and I think everyone would like it to happen. I just don't think it will be this decade. But I think I think there's a chance they do. They uh, they will. They will push for it again. So I, I I think that will just... It will come back. Yeah. Uh, do, do, do. Right. In terms of tracks then, we've asked what... the We're trying to predict what the best and worst race would be of the season. Uh, this is my first blunder. Although I don't blame myself too much for this. Uh, the I put down the British Grand Prix, Silverstone, as the best race. Which I think is a sound and almost boring it's choice. A, yeah, it is very boring. But... It's a good track to sort of chuck in there, so I don't blame you for doing that. Yeah, well, and uh, well, as we talked about last week, it was, I think it was I think I put it down for the worst race of the year relative to the expectation. So oh, that wasn't great. And I also put forward uh, Imola, which uh, as the worst ra- worst race, which uh, didn't even happen. So you could argue I was absolutely correct because nothing happened. Yeah. Uh, and then I put it's that devastation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the Mania Mania region, right? Jeez. <laughs> Oh dear, and uh, I had the Mexico City Grand Prix, which I can't even remember now at this stage. I don't think I it was remember. that bad. 
It was one of the better Mexican Grand Prix. Yeah. But that's not really saying much. No, not not much. We we went through on that podcast the history of the the mediocrity of the uh, of the Mexico Mexican Grand Prix. So it has been pretty the, bad. The Mexico City. It wasn't Grand always Prix, the actually. Mexico City Grand Prix. It wasn't always the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, but that's, that's... <laughs> true. Yeah. But it was also the Mexico uh, Mexican Grand Prix first. Yeah. So that, by your by your logic, it'll be it, you know we should call the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Mm. And uh, no one will be doing that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 there was good recency for Mexico to be one of the worst ones. It was one of the worst ones last year. So, yeah, I'm not too upset with it, even if they were both uh, both wrong. But the Imola one is, yeah, just, uh, there's a certain irony in that. <laughs> uh, you had, well, your, yours came, your, your, your choices for best and worst were kind of loaded towards the end of the season. Yeah, because I, I always see Brazil being a good race. Because it, it, it always is. So I put Brazil down. Yeah. And it, what, it was okay. Good. It was a good shout, I think. Yeah, it was a good shout. Safe bet, though. Safe bet. Like I say, it's all... Brazil's just a classic F1 track, so... It's just so short and action-packed, it always produces good racing. So, and obviously the Alonso Perez battle helped that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of worst race, I went Abu Dhabi. I couldn't have been more wrong in that sense because Abu Dhabi wasn't actually that terrible. It was, I thought considering it was good, for Abu Dhabi. Like, I was actually surprised because the stat came up during the week. There was like 60 plus overtakes, I think, at Abu Dhabi this year. Yeah, there was. So, which I couldn't believe. I do, I do genuinely think that track is, with those, those changes have been huge. Like, they've, I know we've seen some track changes and they haven't really worked at the likes of Spain yet, at least. But yeah, well, they're not well, going mean, to chance of Spain, are yeah, they? Yeah, so. no. <laughs> Even though actually the Spanish Grand Prix was pretty good this year after they took out the chicane, but it's some of the other changes that they've made. Uh, I the I don't think any changes have been more instrumental to a, a race and improving it as Abu Dhabi. I think this year was a good example of that. Yeah. Uh, plus, mm. held by the uh, the Mercedes Ferrari jeopardy uh, to to finish as well with the uh, the shenanigans going on there as well. So that was good fun. Hmm. But uh, I think yeah, Brazil you did pretty well. You did preface it though by saying it would be pretty tight at the end of the season. Yeah, which uh, <laughs> yeah, good one. Could be further from the truth from the title's perspective. But anyway, uh, so yeah, kind of yeah, hit hits and misses there for us. Right, yes. best rookie. We had three rookies. Uh, Oscar Piastri, Had. yeah, Had. <laughs> Logan Sargent, and Nick DeVries. So. Uh, yeah, so starting with Piastri, look, there was, I know it's easy to look back now, and I've listened to this back and think, we were quite tentative of Piastri for a few reasons. It wasn't so much to do with his talent, but it was the adjustment period. It had been like that troubled McLaren siege that Ricardo had struggled with. It was coming up against Norris. It was the fact that we knew the car was going to be in a pretty diabolical state to start the season. So, you know, there were apprehensions on some of Piastri's rookie season. Uh, I preface it with saying, like, the first bit would be rough, but the end will be good. I think that was fairly fairly accurate, but fairly kind of, you know, you would expect a rookie to be better towards the end of the season than they are at the start. Although, I don't know, you could make a case against Sargent for that, that he was <laughs> arguably the same. But anyways, uh, we both had Piastri. Uh, you had an interesting take on Piastri, actually, in terms of how it could have gone. I did. Do you remember? Apparently, it? I don't. 
You mentioned because <laughs> I just I literally on my nose I've got Piastri the other two have too much to prove. <laughs> great, great job on your notes there, Luke. Great job. Uh, you mentioned the Van Dorn syndrome as a possible scenario where he gets shafted by a combination of bad car and a great teammate. Yeah, yeah, that that that, that is actually quite an interesting take from myself. I'm actually quite happy I've said that. <laughs> Which I think is a Although very it didn't... good point. It's a good point, but it didn't turn out that it way. It didn't turn out that way, and Piastri I, I obviously think... exceeded expectations. Yeah, yeah, if anything, Piastri made Lando look bad in certain ways. Yeah. To my note, just because of the first win and stuff, obviously, like, Oscar got it before Lando did, and Piastri's only been in the sport. I know it's only his sprint win, but a win's a win. It's, it doesn't matter. So... It, Interesting take. Mm. Interesting take. I do think with that whole Piastri Norris thing, I think from that moment on after Qatar, Norris was quite a little bit better than yes. Piastri to end the season. I, I, know there was... I think it gave Norris the shove mm. that he needed, even though Norris was in great form. Great, great form. Just Piastri just doing that and controlling the race like he did. Mm. It just, I think it sent shockwaves through Norris and was like, oh shit, it's not, it's not Daniel in the other car. I can't just switch off. Yeah. Piastri, of course, like, you know, I think the the trajectory of that McLaren, I think, really suited him in the sense that the spotlight was off of it because they knew the car was going to be really, really bad. He had those first few races, went through the various learning phases, like Canada, for instance, where he had his first off and uh, Hungary, the first tire deg race. And it was it's still, the, I'd say, the biggest thing that Piastri has to improve on in year two is just the long run pace on a tire deg circuit like a like a hungry like a japan as we saw that's uh that's gonna mm. be his big focus i think for for next season but obviously he had some great qualified performances should have had a podium in silverstone eventually got a few podiums to end the season in qatar and japan so and his pace was relatively good to norris uh less so in those higher deg races like we saw with hungary and and, and japan but yeah generally speaking he yeah we knew he was going to be good because of his pedigree in the junior categories, but for he really arrived, I thought, at that Belgian Grand Prix weekend. and That was what, essentially midway through the season. It was sooner than I thought he would really arrive. Uh, you could even argue like the qualifying at the British Grand Prix, we got inside the top three. Yeah, that, that, was this, that was when Oscar arrived for me. I was like, right, he's here. I was waiting for it, but I was like, all right, he's great. Yeah, so a fantastic rookie campaign, multiple podiums, a sprint win. Yeah, uh, yeah any apprehension we had, you know, was uh, yeah quickly, quickly shattered. So fair play to him, Sergeant. I actually don't even remember writing down much for Sergeant. To be fair, I thought I mentioned that he had more to gain than he had to lose because he wasn't Vowles' choice. Vowles had just come into the job, of course, and he wasn't, you know, Sergeant wasn't his choice and all of that and. To be fair to Vowles, he gave Sargent every single chance. Uh, I do think there's some timeline stuff here that is played that played into him keeping the seat in terms of drivers to come along next and that kind of thing. And the uh, the options around weren't weren't fantastic, so it it, it it made more sense for them to stick it out, I suppose. But anyway, Sargent, yeah, I mean, what can you say about his rookie season? Uh, it was well <laughs> disappointing. I it, think. it was disappointing, yeah, but I think he knows that and. I'm I'm glad Williams have given him the platform to prove himself next year because there was there was sprinkles of it 
which we've mentioned time and time again, and James has mentioned time and time and time again throughout the season, that the ability and talent is there. It's just not showing enough of it consistently to yeah. get what he should be getting. And yeah, I think they know there's something there. It's just they need to unlock it more with a, a car that will should benefit them more, I think. The the car was too basic this year for him, I think. It was such a big step up. Yeah. It, so much pressure. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of, you know, there's, there's all of that this season for Sargent. So, yeah, but he's, he's got the contract uh, and he had the belief and the time, which is something that Nick DeVries was not given. Uh, we <laughs> In were dramatic s- fashion, oh, shall we say. We were so... The thing with, with DeVries, like, we were so... At the start of the season, we were so unsure because everyone was talking him up like like the teams love him like they absolutely Franz Tost you know who's you know not exactly the most I mean, positive person in the world was singing his praises he was putting Yuki down and putting DeVries up like it was you know and we, and we our question was like is he either he's that good or he's just that guy everybody loves and as it turned out it was the latter <laughs> yeah and that's why he's back in Formula E. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, well, to be fair to him, I think he's gone into a barrel of of shite by jumping himself into that into the Red Bull family. And he's come out winning, I think, personally, because he's ended up getting a top wet drive. So somehow he's managed to... Yeah, but his career was on a downwards. Mm. He's in a Mahindra, yeah. Don't think he really cares. It's just it's just a that. stepping stone, isn't it? He'll get back to it's a better It's a stepping drive. stone. He will get back to a better drive. He's got Toyota and WEC now. Mm. He's in the better of the two WEC teams as well. Uh, Toyota WEC teams. He's in the seven, isn't he? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. So, I, I think he's he's come out winning there, personally. You can he's argue got, that, yeah. Yeah. He's done what he wanted to do. Got into F1 and it got out. So... <laughs> got to drive an F1 car for, for four months you know can't not much to complain at yeah I mean so, look he was they said the way it was done should I say yeah like he was trounced by Yuki he had accidents uh, that were poor like Baku for instance and yeah um, what screwed him over was it was just the Ricardo angle I think really screwed him like it was it's not I don't think it was a case of if loss like I don't think they would have rushed to put in Lawson into the car uh no, I think if the if Ricardo hadn't shown what he'd shown, and if Ricardo would be like, actually, you know what, I'm I'm done, I'm 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 finished with F1, I think DeVries, it'd be a very different story for DeVries, and he got that car at its definite worst. He didn't do a good job with it, but he definitely yeah. got it at its worst. Overdrove in places against Magnussen in Canada and Austria, and kind of it was kind of getting a bit ever more so desperate as the as the. Uh, as the, the the intensity ramped up on his seat, but and then yeah, obviously the, the Ricardo story then is pretty pretty funny in terms of uh, what by lap by lap eight or ten or so uh, of Ricardo in the car at Silverstone after that race, uh, Marco was making the call to uh, De Vries to say that he was out of a job. So yeah, it was so funny, so so funny. But I felt so bad because it was just such a brutal way f- to do it. Yeah, I feel bad because by all accounts, like his technical feedback is excellent, and Sonoda is in towards the end of the season credited De Vries uh, for the car's turnaround in parts. Like it, as a technical yeah. feedback, he like it, it's excellent, but it's just 
as a race driver, it, he just wasn't up to uh, wasn't up to snuff compared to uh, Sonoda, and yeah, with in combination with the Ricardo angle, then yeah, that was rough. So yeah, I. I just yeah again we didn't ask if there would be any mid-season replacements in terms of that because we just didn't see it I just didn't see it coming like I just, I just the big thing was like we didn't expect Ricardo to be okay hopping into an Alpha Tari. I think that was the thing that we were like that that won't happen yeah that we were sort of saying that as an angle that it's never going to happen because Alpha Tari weren't looking like a good enough team for someone of, of Ricardo's stature yeah. But obviously, we wasn't looking at the bigger picture. And Ricardo had already had chats <laughs> at that point, I assume. Yeah, I mean, like... And he, Red Bull's uh, position on Perez wasn't sure. Like, he get, he returned down a Haas drive, do you know what I mean? Like, so, like, why why would he go to an AlphaTauri? It, it didn't make any sense to think he would see that as an option, but there you go. Yeah. That's, uh, That's the thing. Things do change. Next hmm. on the agenda, which team would be the biggest gainer in the field slash surprise this season. Shock, I wonder who I I chose on this one. Was it based off any recent uh, showings by any chance? It wasn't off any recent showings of three days of testing in Bahrain at all. <laughs> no. No, definitely wasn't the boys in green in Aston Martin. Which technically, I was right in a way for a portion of the season. Hmm. <laughs> And technically, they gained the most back on themselves by going back to the shittest version of themselves. Yes. So, technically, I was correct throughout the entire year. Because then they swung it back a bit at the end. But, yeah, I, I went with us to mine. Just because I was hyping them up in over preseason testing. Mm, you were. You had them in front of Mercedes, is what you said to this in this question, in this prediction. And I was right. You were right. For some of it. I think for you... the first, up till Miami, I was right. You could have been right for a very long time had a better driver been in the car next to Alonso. And then not going in the wrong direction and developing their car and not knowing on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Precisely I that. I think I would have been sound. Uh, what was actually The final gap actually between Mercedes and Aston Martin was... Uh, oh, sorry. It was also to Ferrari in the end, actually. Um... But even still, it was there's only a few points in it. It was a hundred and four points to Ferrari and a hundred and seven to yeah, hundred and seven to Mercedes. Yeah. To be fair, like I mean, Alonso did finish ahead of Russell quite comfortably. <laughs> so it's like it's not inconceivable that it could have been done. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, look, to be fair, like they moved from seventh um in, in finishing twenty twenty two to fourth. So you know, they did gain quite a bit out of it. Uh, I put, I predicted that they'd be closer to the top three than expected, uh, which was yeah, wasn't gonna, not not uh, exactly, uh, not exactly uh, bold. But I, I did say Alpine would uh, would get there in terms of uh, rising through the field, and well, uh, again in part. No, you were right in certain in certain senses because they were a lot closer than what they were in the previous years. Sure, they, because they, they, they legit times. had had pace to run with Mercedes and Ferrari at times. So oh, I think they took a step forward. It just wasn't consistent enough because their lack of engine power. Well, I mean, I'm saying that without yeah. trying to laugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, which it, is obviously the reason that they will try and play off. So oh yeah, sure. And they've well, they've 
given up on that, but I'll, yeah, I'm sure I'll still complain about it. The thing, the, the, the thing about Alpine was it's so hard to measure them because their drivers are quite inconsistent and Gasly was new at the team. I remember seeing this at the Australian Grand Prix. If you put Alonso in that car, they would have been right there with Aston Martin in like in Australia. And they were very in that mix. Like I, It was so hard to gauge where they're at because the operation they were just a mess. And yeah, I can't, tr- like, you know, you put like a Hamilton or Alonso or Norris and into a car and you're like right that's and then for Stappen of course and Leclerc and like it's like right well so, these drivers are getting the most out of that car that it can possibly get we'll see where that car really is in the hands of this driver and with Alpine there's just not that and it's it's hard so hard to judge I think if that car had been in Alonso's hands I think they could have had some really flipping good results this year but as it turns out it, it wasn't and you know what I mean like so it's it's so hard to judge them but Anyway, I think you are right. Like you are right. They, they definitely got a bit closer to the to the action. Uh, this is one of my better predict uh, elements of this. I said Williams will be in the action a lot more this season, this year, and not just on straight line tracks. Yeah, that's that's spot on. Boom, spot on. Couldn't very, have got it any more right. Very much the case, and they also jumped up three places from tenth to seventh. Yes. So I was yeah pretty pleased about that one that they would be in the mix and uh, more variety and they certainly were and yeah obviously Monza was a was a good one for them as well in uh, Albon's hands Spa not so much as it was last year but yes anyways uh, and the team that proved to be the biggest disappointment while we were both unanimous on this at the time it was McLaren and that still was correct for half the season. it obviously falls short in the sense that they completed one of the most remarkable, if not the most remarkable in-season turnarounds that I can ever remember in Formula One. Yeah, same. So, you Nothing know, that ever comes close, I don't think, to that. You know, from where they started, and heck, even just even if you just want to look at where they were, what their car should have been starting at with the Baku upgrade... Uh, yeah, the Aust- obviously the, the 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 three upgrades, but mostly the two ones that came in uh, Austria and Silverstone just completely turned their season around, and uh, yeah, put a very put it's a very kind of feel good factor of McLaren and Norris and obviously Piastri coming through. So yeah, we largely centered around that uh, as our as our disappointments. But you went a little bit further than that, and actually you were spot on in something that you predicted. I, don't, well, I said Alpine, but uh, well, you did say Alpine, and they all they they also were a disappointment in that sense. But you alluded. <laughs> See, this is where some of my notes just does that that plain and boring because my answer is so <laughs> is just out when it comes to Alpine. I just write Alpine, and I know what to say. <laughs> uh, the old adage is write what you know. Yeah. You for Alpine, you talked about like they believe in themselves way too much, and that was before you watched the Drive to Survive uh, season as well, which that was yeah, even was. more so the case. <laughs> yeah, it was even more damning. That was Jesus Christ. Yeah, we've got problems, Graham. We have serious problems. Their also serious problem was that, as you mentioned, that their hundred race plan was immediately shot on by Aston Martin. Yeah, absolutely shot on. So there you go. Uh, you do. I, I don't know if you had this written down on your side, but you alluded to the James Key sacking. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I was. I was very hot on that towards the start of the season, wasn't I? Because of McLaren not having a very good preseason test, mm. and I was like, surely someone gets sacrificed. And he was always the name that was sort of at the forefront of that car design, and was the man at McLaren for that kind of thing so I was like yeah if someone's going to get taken out obviously 
other people have already moved on. So uh, I just thought James Key was going to get the chop at that point. Yeah, and it was still a surprise when they did it. I, I was oh, of surprised. course. I, he's, he's a big name. He is a big name. I, and I thought he would, you know, obviously he was a part of a number of structure changes that McLaren obviously rolled out at the time with their with Stella leading that process and I thought he'd be reassigned but not sacked so and it was that was before I think that was before the Baku upgrade came yeah he did I don't even think he got a chance so that was the, the surprising part yeah I just thought they were done with it done with them but yeah so yeah fair play that was arguably one of your best ones that you've done that was a yeah very and good I didn't one. even make a note on it <laughs> yeah so there you go uh, we asked them if we would get a super sub appearance uh, for the season uh, now this was we didn't even look at anyone else on the grid because we were utterly convinced because the accident to Lance Stroll in pre-season had just happened and yeah. we had no idea if he was going to be racing, it was a week before the race we had no idea if he was going to be racing or not or if Djokovic would step in uh, as it turned out Djokovic didn't get the chance to step in and Stroll Pull out his best performances for arguably the season at the very start with injuries. So, fair play to him. Uh, the super sub appearance came in a different form, uh, and it wasn't really a sub, as more so uh, just obviously a re- a re- yes, a replacing of sorts, obviously with Ricardo. So we'll talk about Ricardo later on uh, when we get to you get to him. But I mean, yeah, that was that was it really for so, like obviously. Well, I mean, we did get lost. I, I, that, that counts. Yeah, I, I put down in my notes very unlikely unlikely it will have to be a health related mm. incident if we're going to get a super sub so well technically I'm right yeah well I mean yeah McCarran broke his hand so just got, yeah Lawson came back in that way so oh god mm. I've just scrolled down my notes a bit more and just seen what's coming up <laughs> oh god oh god uh, so shock result <laughs> of the season Oh no, I'm not happy with this. <laughs> I don't think it was bad. Like I liked it. Like I liked what you what you had. I I've written down here. Oh, I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Haas first podium at Hungary with Hulkenberg. I liked oh, it. Oh dear. You know it's a good shout if it was qualifying. <laughs> Top three in qualifying, it would have been fine. <laughs> um. But no, I, I went for a podium. That's a bit ballsy, Luke, of uh, all things to go for. To be fair, you had the right Haas driver, and he yeah, was he was in a f- couple of really good positions throughout the season. Where if he had the car under him, he it could maybe have happened. Australia, I think, was a missed opportunity because that was just better. If, it, if something was going to happen, then like shot podium wise, then that was going to be it. But obviously. Everything was just carnage. So look, and he also was running like in the top. Was he like the? Was he? I've my very think he's in like the top three in the Austria sprint for a, a large chunk of it, or at yeah. least a solid chunk of it before obviously falling away. Yeah, he was holding on. Still scored points. He did. But, so as he did throughout the season. I liked it from you. I did, uh, even though. And Hulkenberg was the man who put Haas in good positions, but there's just nothing he could do about it really uh, with that car. Yeah, no. Mine was that uh, Alonso would sneak in a win if we thought Aston were as good as we thought, and they were, and maybe on different circumstances there a season, had the Monaco race gone a bit better, had Alonso got pole there, you know, maybe, you know, that that, that could have been, but... Um, <laughs> that would have been an intense Monaco Grand Prix, wouldn't it? 
if you start from pole, yeah, that would have been yeah, very fun. That would have made Monaco very, very fun. Uh, I did get this. I, I laughed at this one though, because at the time, obviously, the idea of McLaren getting a podium was complete nonsense. So I was like, I said, like, Norris will shithouse a podium towards the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, no shithousery required, and he ended up getting seven, uh, seven of them. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I don't know, it, but it was mad at the time to think about a McLaren podium at any at that point. So, you know, take, yeah, take that with a pinch of salt. This is this, Jesus Christ. Mm. Well, you obviously had Hulkenberg on the podium, and we were we then try to predict a first time winner or a first time uh, driver on the podium. Uh, the answer to this has been increasingly easy because. There's not, There's not many left. There really isn't many left. Piastri now kind of adds to this somewhat, which is nice um, in terms of like a Grand Prix win, a Sunday win. But obviously, we both said Lance Stroll. And look, it, look, the car was there. It was logic. It was logical. We have to surely have him in there because out of the top teams at the time of the predictions, he was the only one that didn't have one. Yeah, and obviously with the winner stuff, obviously like Norris was still is still on that list, of course. But the car was going to be like at the time, it was like that car doesn't even have a hope to get a it's, podium, it's, let alone a win. Yeah, it's weird how it went from Van Stroll to get a win to Norris becoming the one that came the closest out of the two of them. Yeah, crazy. Like it's just the the looking back at this like what two things that were very much prevalent one just how low opinion was on mclaren at the time and how much aston martin could could potentially upset things here yeah it really was so we both said stroll for that reason obviously we'll have a very different answer next next season but uh yes stroll uh we thought maybe if uh, look the car was there and uh did oh stroll didn't even get a podium this year Anyway, <laughs> most improved driver. Uh, oh, I'm not happy with this. Well, I mean... It was logical again. It was logical. Um, we both said Guan Yu Zhou. And Joe. Oh, not only were we wrong, wrong, but Joe didn't really kick on. There's one significant reason why Joe didn't really kick on. His, his Saturdays are not great. Atrocious. And if I think his race pace is good. But it's his race pace is better than Bottas at times. I think so, but it's just he cannot qualify. No, and and it, that, that, that was a thing I remember from F two. Mm. You always seem to, it might sneak a good result in here and here, there, and everywhere. But nine times out of ten, he was always in a position where he wasn't great. Yeah, it like it just it really does just kill a lot of his Sundays just not being able to qualify well. And yeah, obviously, and the one time he did do it in Hungary, there was a car problem. He ended up in anti-stall and immediately lost all that and hit into the back of Ricardo. So <laughs> yeah, that was Lovely. that was it. So yeah, Joe. Look, the fear with Joe is always going to be like he's solid, but what's the ceiling? What's you know what's the high end potential here? And it didn't really kick on in year two, and it, it obviously needs to. I think there's a big shootout coming for that. One of those, at least one. I think one of those Audi seats, I think, will be, uh, or for twenty five, I think there will be a shootout between maybe Joe and Bottas potentially if they decide even they can even replace both of them. And they thought about replacing both of them. I think at some stage this this year as well. They did, yeah. So. We said Joe, but we'll cover the other angle of this uh, later because it will be it will it, yes we'll get a chance to cover that the other side of in uh, I guess in most improved driver who actually was in the end. Uh, 
a driver we were dis- we'd be disappointed with in 2023. <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean... You know, I, I... I'm going to read out what I have in my notes before I say the name of the driver. And mm. it's a three-word sentence. Imagine my surprise. Yeah. And I have put down Esteban Ocon. Yeah, <laughs> I had the exact same answer. I did preface it with the potential to have egg on my face at the end of the season. Do you know what? Not as much egg as I thought there would be. I the the podium in Monaco had me worried. Yes, <laughs> that I was going to look like an absolute twat. But oh, I'll be honest, you shit ass that. He did an excellent job day. of qualifying, and yeah, but... he did, he did, he... and that ultimately ended up getting in the podium. Yeah, he was anywhere else. He gets overtaken. He was helped by two things: one, Ferrari in their complete ineptitude to tell Leclerc that I think was it Norris was on a flying lap, and that lost Leclerc yeah. top three. And then Carlos Sainz's Banzai attempts uh, to uh, overtake did not go well. And uh, <laughs> Sainz was furious on that day that they, how Ferrari handled the strategy. They were trying to cover off Hamilton. And yeah, he was furious. Sainz was furious about that. Uh, he wanted to be let go at, at, at Ocon. So yeah, not happy with that. But yeah, that helped him. But yeah, I did think, I really did think like I was, I thought I was being stupid putting Ocon on that. And I'm not too no, upset. I think it was safe. I think it was. It's been fine enough. And the reason, like, he's been disappointing in the sense that Gasly has come in immediately, like a new team, a different way of doing things, all the turmoil, etc. And not only was Ocon extremely disappointing in his race etiquette, uh, defending air essentially, or blocking off his teammate at Brazil, for instance, and showing that he just hasn't learned a damn thing at all. Um, Obviously, you could whether you blame him for the incident in Australia is another thing, but yeah, the results again with the car, the car again, the car was pretty solid. Solid. Like, it was solidly a, fifth. It was a good car at times, and I know he had reliability uh, as well, reliability issues did not come, but I just yeah, other than that that uh, Monaco race, there was just not a lot of standout moments from from Ocon. So I'm. I actually feel good having put him here at, at the here at the end. I didn't feel great about it in terms of it would. St- I didn't think it would stand up as well as it has. Yeah, uh, I did have Bottas on this list as well, and that was the case to start the season. But Bottas quietly recovered pretty well. He did surprisingly and annoyingly. Mm. So yeah, that w- yeah, so that that went away as well. Uh, right, this is an interesting one. We try to predict what the closest teammate battle would be. Uh, so, I, to be fair, I did have Ocon and Gasly. And yeah. that was as close... Re- like, there was four points between them in the end. That was a pretty good bet. I, I was pretty pleased about, about that. That was close to accurate. So, yeah, I'm pleased about that one. I, I also yeah. got... I also tried to predict Magnussen versus Hulkenberg. Sound in theory... And there, there was six points between them, but it's a big difference when that it's you know it's nine points versus three, and obviously Hulkenberg trounced Magnussen on Saturdays as well, which didn't uh, did not help. So yeah, that one maybe not as much. And then we both had the Mercedes pair as well. I don't like what I've put down here. Uh, Two world class drivers, <laughs> world class, world class. You did say that. Not happy with that. Not happy with that. <laughs> one world-class driver, one who sort of dropped off this year, is more of an accurate <laughs> thing. Because Lewis absolutely trounced 
draws this year. Yeah. Which is weird considering George came closest to the victory, even though it wasn't really that close. The, the Singapore was probably their best chance. Yes. And George was obviously in front. Singapore or Hamilton or Kota, which it wouldn't even matter in the end. Yeah. Because so. of the disqualification. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a, a down year for Russell, a good year for Hamilton. Um, not not a great. I don't. Yeah, I think Hamilton drove well, but I wasn't a great year. Yeah, not a great year by Hamilton's standards. But Russell, yeah, one of the more disappointing drivers on the grid this season was convincingly the uh, second best Mercedes and finished eighth in that uh, that battle between Sainz, Norris, Leclerc, etc. And he was quite convincingly off. He was twenty five points off of Sainz in seventh. So yeah, that was a uh, that wasn't great. Uh, you did call the Ferrari one. Well done. Yeah, I think I, th- I think it was pretty easy though. It's it's sh- been a similar similar case since they both paired up at Ferrari. To be fair, it shouldn't have been that easy. Like it it shouldn't have been that close. No, 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 no. It, that's been the case for the last two years. Yeah, true. <laughs> so it's it's just yeah, it's just easy to expect that one Ferrari will get screwed over, then all make mistakes, and the other one will just be consistently average. Mm. Just bring him the points. Uh, other ones that were close, where else? Uh, the, one, is, the thing I noticed is going back through this, there's a lot of very much one-sided teammate battles. Really? <laughs> I know, right? Crazy to think about. <laughs> <laughs> but like Verstappen, Trance, Perez, Hamilton over Russell, Alonso over Stroll, uh, Norris over Piastri, Albon over Sargent, Sonoda over everyone, essentially. Yeah, just a lot of them that went in that direction, so... Yeah. Um, yeah. This is one of my worst ones because I had an honorable, honorable mention for Sonoda versus DeVries. Oops. Oh, God. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Love that. So that wasn't great. So, yeah. Good we, one, Graham. Yeah. Not one of my finer ones, I will admit. So, uh, dear. Yeah. So there's there's that. But yeah, we both got one right with uh, Ocon and uh, you had the Ferrari chaps being pretty, pretty close. Uh, speaking of the Hamilton Mercedes and uh, Russell, we asked what the dynamic would be between these two in 2023. Mm. And, yeah, I think it had the potential to be spicier this year, is what I said, and it did threaten to reach somewhat of a boiling point between the Japanese Grand Prix and the Qatar Grand Prix, back-to-back. Yeah, that, that was a fun part of the season for mm. me. <laughs> I love watching the demise of them and Alpine so much. <laughs> so, so much. There's nothing that makes me happier. So, so, I still think this uh, is a dormancy. Like it, it could go off. It's, it's weighing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're both. Oh, I I put down that they're both going to be doing their all the team to the back to the top. Were they though? Were they? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you could argue that, but. Yeah, I still think there is a potential. I mean, we did. I mean, they did come together and, and crash this year into each other. Just well, it just well, Hamilton into Russell, obviously. But yeah, so that that, yeah, that the happens. Circumstances, though. Yeah, 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 with the the tires and the such, all that. But yeah, so I do think there is potential for this to be to still get uh, quite interesting. But yeah, I it it kind of lends to your point. I don't think that'll be the case until the car is kind of back towards the front. Yeah, then it'll be flashpoint. Mm. Uh, it should be next year though, because Russell's got stuff to, you know, he's got to bounce back after this year. Oh, it definitely does. Mm. Uh, most one-sided team battle. We tried to predict this one. So this was very easy, I think. 
Because I think we both would have said the same answer here. We went for the obvious one, didn't we? Yeah. I have Alonso and Stroll yeah. down here. And, you know, so. like, yeah, that was a fairly safe one to get. I mean, you know. We weren't wrong, but it wasn't the most one sided. It wasn't the most one sided, you're right. Uh, Alonso outscored Stroll by, it's like 100 and. It's like 170. 47. 133 or so points. It was. Yeah, it got over 100 pretty quickly. So, yeah. Alonso basically built the Aston Factory on his own. <laughs> Literally. Stroll, Stroll was still using the old one. I think the only <laughs> races that Stroll outperformed Alonso on were Spain, where Alonso yeah, could Spain have overtake was them in. anyways. Because he was right behind, yeah. if you remember, and just sat back. Sat back because he had floor damage. Yeah, from, to be fair, from his own his own error. But yeah. he still could have overtaken Stroll on the Sunday, but just didn't. Uh, didn't was to. Austria one? Maybe. I cannot remember there Austria was, this year, to be honest. There's only a handful of rate. I think Vegas was an. A handful's over. being debatable. <laughs> it is, sorry, it is on one hand. It's a, thing, it's a fingerful. Uh, yeah, I think it's two or three <laughs> at best where Stroll was yeah. legitimately better than Alonso. So it was a comprehensive trouncing in that way. Uh, I've predicted uh, I had Norris versus Piastri potentially, and do you know what? Like, you know, obviously the qualifying numbers are quite high for Norris; they should have been higher. But he did out uh, he did outscore Piastri fairly handedly, as you would expect. It was over a hundred points, so that's up there. Uh, the proper answer, though, obviously, is a little bit further down the grid. Yeah, in with the Williams duo. Hmm. If, yeah, if you want to look at like actual what was the actual one-sided battle, it obviously was just Albon versus Sargent, like out qualified in every single race. Uh, obviously, all the all but one point going to Albon. So, yeah, I did throw down Verstappen and Perez as an honorable mention, and I'm happy enough about that because that was also as almost as one-sided as you could get. It was yeah. like. Well, it's it, at least 19 out of the 22 races. He was better than Perez. Obviously, just he won 19 races. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was that. Most one-sided team battle. Yeah, Stroll versus Alonso was going to be an easy one to, uh, to do. Oof, this next one uh, doesn't bode well on us. But to be fair, how could, how could we have seen the coming? How high would Verstappen climb on the all-time wins leaderboard, and how many wins will he have racked up by the end of 2023? Uh, bearing that this was in context that he had won 15 races the year before, and our thought was, they won't. That won't happen again. Like it'll be less. And I said, yeah. I said nine. I think he'll finish on 44 wins, which move him ahead, ahead on ahead of Senna. Uh, he notched 10 more than that. <laughs> and he's on 54 so yeah next season conceivably he could be well he's likely to get 60 plus that's, you would think so if he gets a minimum yeah that's well, it's just six like to get to 60 and you know after that he could win 10 more after that he could even reach 70 next next year depending how how things break but yeah uh, but you were even more uh, optimistic of some parity than I was you will have to fill me in on this because I cannot find this note anywhere. Oh, you you had seven race wins in twenty twenty three for Verstappen. Yeah, seven. 
Again. What was I thinking here? <laughs> when it was clearly obvious in Tesla that Red Bull were 40 million miles in front of every fucker else. Uh, I know. Oh, God, Lou. <laughs> I think I was just trying to be too conservative there. That's just bad. I think we were hopeful of parity. But... I, I, I was too high on Marinello chat vibes from the race. <laughs> yeah, I think even Ferrari would have been as well. Yeah. So yes, um, yes. So he had, he had, yes, a lot more than forty-four in the end. So fifty-four in the end of passing both. Number forty-four. Oh. Uh, passing both Prost and Vettel then at, at the end of the season as well. So, whew. ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely mad stuff. Now you had this next one. Uh, Fernando Alonso would finally make a career move that would pay off, and a convincing yes. I have a uh, written down here a big yes for about. A full screen of my page. Yes, I remember at the time you emphasised how many S's you'd put at the end of that. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of right. He got seven podiums. Absolutely. Podiums. Like he, we, we put him back at the front of the field, essentially. Podiums, a chance for poles, and yeah. He's put himself on in the right place for the platform to grow around him. Yes. I think now. So that's... In terms of career move, this is the right, right one. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, f- fair play on that one. So, yeah, got that done. Uh, <laughs> how long before the Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly tension flashes again, is what I wrote down for the question again. Um, I, I, no, I think I've got this one pretty much spot on. You did do very well with this one. I have written down here, it won't, it won't kick off this year as such but the foundations will be in place for it to kick off the following season. Mm. And that's kind of right because obviously we had Australia, we've had Las Vegas where Pierre got absolutely shafted by the strategy with Alpine. There's also there's been little things that would just been nobbling away at each driver that, that each one has done to the other. And I think it's all just sat there ready and waiting to blow up in Alpine's face and have massive egg on their face not for the first time <laughs> for Alpine no, when it comes to not. a driver lineup or something to do with their drivers so I, I think I've done pretty well there I'm actually quite proud of that one yeah you've done very well at that because like especially to end the season you know, the animosity is very high between those two you've got the Vegas you have the Japan shenanigans uh, to end the season Gassi was very unhappy that Arcon's there to undercut him uh, so yeah, those two are very unhappy about how that dynamic is going. And yeah, I think it will explode next year, uh, very much so. Uh, I had Canada or Hungary. Uh, the tracks are difficult to overtake at, and kind of, uh, you know, their tracks getting towards the summer break. Um, in retrospect, the, I think we're, we're both wrong in the sense that it actually took to Australia to, for that to yeah, happen. Yeah, technically. Because, for it to flash up. Because there's still. There's basically the, the conclusion to that was basically at the factory agree to disagree, was what uh, basically essentially what Gasly described on the recent Beyond the Grid podcast on F1. Uh, so it still feels like there's animosity between the two of them for that incident. So again, it, yeah, there's I think that's been really the thing that was a, that was the moment really, and it's been yeah it's been somewhat under wraps but not really it's it's flashed up and again the end of the season here in, in the flyaways it's kind of come up again so yeah it has laid a very tasty foundation for next year i think you're absolutely right in that and you mentioned also the expiring contracts end of things next year yeah and 
I don't know. It could go two ways with them. Like, I could see one being retained. You're of the opinion that Ocon will be gone. I, I, I change that now. Ocon's the one that stays. 100%. Okay. It'll be interesting to see how that works out and obviously if those those contract talks or whatever and if that manifests itself on on track between potential competition for a seat if they want to take, say, Alex Albon, for instance, or if they decide to actually promote Dewan, but uh, that will not happen. Or Maltans or sure. Gabriel Mini. You know? <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, bring that back, yeah. Is Lundgaard still available? <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? Guan Yu Joe. Yeah, who else? Callum Mylot, technically. And an Alpine branded car at one point. Gosh, uh, that's a yeah, weird one. Oh, dear. Uh, we asked them what our expectation for Oscar Piastri would be in year one. I, I think I played this very safe. I liked what you said, to be fair. Just match what Ricardo did, and he should be okay. Now. That's probably, I would have said, the bare minimum. I absolutely smashed it, I thought, in comparison to that. To, like, again, like, to be fair, like, it could have gone the other way. Like, it really could have. Like, he could have ended up worse than Ricardo because the, the sense... You don't know. Like, he's a That's rookie thrown into a car that is clearly difficult for both drivers. Like, again, like, Norris is very, you know, was did not make his, dis, his uh, displeasure unknown when it came to that car. So, and we know how talented he is. So... And we know how you know how good Ricardo can be as well. So, it you know it it in theory it could have easily gone that way. But uh, and so matching Ricardo would have been, as you said, would have been uh, an accomplishment. But he went above and beyond that. Yeah, easily as we as we talk. The teams only win. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm just going to keep pounding that into the ground every opportunity. Mm. Uh, we talked a lot about Piastri already. Uh, my prediction was that. By mid-season, he'll have shown the caliber of driver that he is uh, by mid-slash-end-of-season. Um, so, yeah, big check on that. Basically, Silverstone and Belgium were his arriving party, so to speak. And I had the end here. He'll vindicate Robert Schwartzman at the same time. Yeah. I still think Schwartzman's been extremely hard done by just because of the year that Piastri had in in F2. And... Yeah, he got he did get shafted in that sense. So yeah, I feel for Schwartzman, and I think I can still stand. Like I was right in that. That sadly, his future has kind of been dictated by that one year and what Piastri has done, and he's never got a fair chance since. I feel like he hasn't. So I hope he'll end up at least in Ferrari's WEC program, but or IndyCar. It's, it could. It's yeah. looking likely with WEC. They've not confirmed their driver lineup. I don't believe. I could see IndyCar happening. I, 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 He's been linked so many times, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think, I think it will happen at some stage. But he will end up in a good seat. And it's not inconceivable he could end up in the Formula 1 car at some stage in the future. Some some of these things, it just takes more time to... Uh, Look at De Vries. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so I think I think he will eventually. But yeah, Piastri obviously exceeded expectations in in year one. Uh, we also asked on the subject of the McLaren uh, where they will establish themselves by the end of the season. And we both had the same yeah. answer for this. And it was a sound answer in theory, but again, it, it didn't account for how, again, to the turnarounds that they did mid-season. Yeah, it really didn't account for that because, like we said earlier, we didn't. this just hasn't been done in F1 to that scale before. No. 
So predicting anything higher up would have been mental. To get them up to fifth, which is what we both said, is we both said sixth. We figured that the gap up to Alpine would be because they were looking quite good, of yeah. course. The uh, gap up to Alpine would be too much to make up uh, with obviously Aston scoring a lot of those points now as well. So, of course, um, not only did that not happen, not only did they overtake, um, did they overtake actually? I got I sorry, I completely so I. I said Aston Martin gained three places earlier this, in this. That that I, for, com, I completely forgot that they were uh, overtaken by McLaren, and that actually yeah. stuck. There was actually only two games for Aston in the end, but that's what McLaren ended up doing. Like they not only did they re-overtake Alpine, they tore towards Aston Martin and overhauled them as well, and finished twenty-two points ahead of Aston Martin as well. Yeah, that's what happens when you have two drivers scoring points consistently yeah. and good points. Uh, whereas, one. whereas Alpine finished on 120 points to McLaren's 302. Ridiculous. Mental. Absolutely mental. But yeah, just, again, just won the all-time, if not greatest in-season turnaround from a team from the start of the season to middle. <laughs> Forget that, at the end of the season. Yeah. So, yeah, we got that one wrong, but I mean, a bit of history there, to be fair. Uh, we also asked a question of whether Haas's more experienced lineup <laughs> would push them further up the field. And look, like uh, I said, it gives them a great chance to do so, and I was right in a sense. But again, what we couldn't have accounted for is the car being in the same place now, same characteristics years, now yeah. as was yeah back in 2019, which is unfortunate because again, Hugberg put them in more than a good enough position to finish seventh in the standings. Had that car at any race pace to do something to hold on to grid position, but uh, that was not the case. Yeah. I, I put down 100% has to push them on the field. It just has to, right? It can't get much slower. <laughs> uh, and it did, because they ended up going down to 10th in the end. Yeah. So, unfortunate stuff there, but not helped, of course, by Magnussen's pretty poor season. Mm. So, but yeah, Hulkenberg, I mean... Oof. Sorry, who? <laughs> yeah, the second half driver that uh, like, that exists. Didn't know there was one. Uh, but yeah, apparently, uh, to do so. Then we talked about Guan Yu a little bit about Guan Yu Zhou earlier. We asked if he could mount then a challenge to Valtteri Bottas. Uh, I mean, the start of season was, was looking good. Yeah, it was sort of carrying on from what happened towards the end of last season, wasn't mm. it? Where he sort of was there, just wasn't all the time. It just then we got to this season and it started off well, like you say, and it just I don't know, do you know what really happened to be honest? It was unlucky how Romeo as previous years was so unreliable. Yeah, that's so, so unreliable. So that's great. But I don't I don't know, he, I, I think he had one of them stall years where he just didn't really do anything for his career. Yeah, there was a bit of a plateau, wasn't there? Yeah. So yeah, that's unfortunate. But again, we'll see. He's going to get a third year to uh, to do so. So we'll see if he can do it again to Bottas. Again, it's a good, it's a good measure to have at least. Oh, definitely. So uh, we asked then if Mercedes could return to winning ways and contesting for race wins in twenty twenty three. I think Yeesh. we were still working with the assumption that they were actually made progress by the back end of last season. 
Yeah, I think we were a bit overhyped on the fact that they got a race win, even though we prefaced that win by saying it was overhyped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, we thought they would have taken that step forward with the knowledge that they gained by continuing to ve- develop that car till the end of last season, whereas everybody else didn't. Um, and yeah, I thought they would have made big steps of it this year. Mm. Didn't really pay off, did it? Well, I mean, by the end of the first race, they'd already admitted their mistake, and yeah, they ended up ditching the no pods by uh, originally supposed to be Imola and then turned into Monaco. And they did make some gains. I still think they had a chance to win the US Grand Prix on track had they not been so wishy washy, you trying to get the one stop to work, and they missed out on those few laps at Hamilton to get them in. And not that it mattered anyway, but. Yeah, between it would that, have been funnier. Oh yeah, yeah, it would have been hilarious to see hilarious. them win and then disqual- win for the first time in uh, since that Brazilian Grand Prix, and then like Hamilton's first win since Jeddah at twenty one. Could then, you imagine the, 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 in America of all places and then goes disqualified? Oh, oh. Be hilarious, but not to be. And obviously, the one you mentioned earlier was that they had a chance at Singapore, and I think they would have had a great shot to do so. But they, you know, science very savvy kept Norris. Uh, within the DRS and the one chance that Russell got to overtake Norris Norris repelled him and that was it for that so yeah they didn't have as many chances this year did they as last year did uh, Mercedes you look you think the 22 like I could think of at least three opportunities they had to win races last year which is obviously Silverstone Netherlands and they actually the one they obviously ended up did winning of course in Brazil and USA actually you can throw that in there they were close with that one the oh gosh, on the throw, throw Mexico into that mix as well. The two, those two Americas races there at the end with the tyres. Yeah. Yeah. But this year, not even not even remotely as many chances. So, yeah, uh, not to be. Not to be for Mercedes this year. Uh, well, speaking of teams and uh, challenges, we asked if Ferrari could overcome themselves to mount a more sustainable title challenge. <laughs> uh, well that didn't end up being the case but you did have an interesting wrinkle to add to this that I think is absolutely bang on I, I think I, I basically was along the lines of you've got to give Fred time to put things into place, see how things are in Maranello, see how the team operates and let him do his thing and let him cook basically was what I was sort of alluding to and I think that's basically what's happened right? He's sort of it was a bit early pre-season. There was obviously talk of all Charles's contract and him potentially moving to Mercedes and all that talk's been put to bed. Now we're in the talks of new contract till 2029, possibly, which is ludicrous to think of compared to what we were talking about at the start of the season mm. where I basically felt in my head he was going to Mercedes. Um, and I was prepared for that mentally, but that's gone away. And... I think the team's going in the right direction now. I think we've got the stable atmosphere that we needed. We're not making as many rash errors. And if we did have a good car, then I think the platform is starting to get built up to it being there now. So me saying give Fred time and let the car get developed in the right way, then we might be on on for something. Yeah, you mentioned that as confidence in Fred grows, so will the belief in the team. And yeah. that the platform um, would be built this year to more so for next year. Yeah. I think you're bang on with that. Yeah. 
Vasor is actually speaking very recently. Uh, they held an end of year uh, media availability actually just in the last few days uh, at Maranello. And they didn't have one last year after the whole after Bonotto left and all that and all that scenario. But yeah, Fred seems very comfortable, very laid back. Says he, he kind of knows everyone around now, and obviously he's made changes throughout the year, between strategy and all. Of, he's made a lot of different changes. So yeah, I think he's quite relaxed about the thing. Uh, I think that's a good sign that things are going in the right in the right direction. And I my thought on that was yeah, I think under Fred, I think yeah, like you say, he just needs to be given the time and space we to make the changes i think he is absolutely the right person for that job he's not been overwhelmed in, in any way really i think he's handled himself very well this season and yeah. i think yeah they've we loved the hire at the time and i still love it now same the right man for the right job yeah but he needed that step up was ready for that step up mm. and probably needed someone to come rescue them yeah someone from the outside was uh was important in in that sense, you know, it didn't obviously lead to a title challenge. It was, you know, they're obviously a bit disappointed with Ferrari this year in that sense. But towards the end of the year, they looked pretty, pretty strong. Like you think from the the upgrade from Japan onwards, they were looking pretty strong. Obviously, they went well. Obviously, in places like Monza and other straight line uh, speed variety kind of circuits. Yeah. So yeah, they did very well. I think all things considered, how that season started with Leclerc's failure in Bahrain. Uh, Obviously, Red Bull had a, a testing penalty heading into this year for their cost cap reach in 2021. And we asked if that would have an effect on their 2023 campaign. Um, I said yes and no. Uh, it won't seem to obviously would limit them, but it's more so if they faced uh, trouble, uh, they would face trouble if there was a title fight towards the back end of the season. And then they'd have to get their business done early. And they, they did. very much did mm. that. And everyone else went into, well, between, like, I would say it's submission, but in a sense, Ferrari and Mercedes had to keep developing longer than I think they would have normally. Just obviously, to, there were their shifts of concept and uh, wanting to get understanding for next year. But yeah, Red Bull very much got their business done pretty early this year, so that didn't really affect them that much. Yeah, I put not too late on in the season, and then it'll be too late anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to sprinkle one in now. Actually, yeah. Seeing as we're on the on the topic of the the boys in Red Bull. Um, what race will Max Verstappen clinch the title at, Graham? Ah, yes. This was a. This is one of your better moments. I remember from this. I was convinced it would be the U.S. Grand Prix. You were adamant that it would be the Qatar. Was it Qatar? You was adamant it was Qatar. Was, actually, was I? I thought it was. Yeah, I was... it was. It was me. I had Kota down. Oh. You had. You had Qatar, but you was happy with Kota as well. Yeah. So wow. I think we were pretty bad on with that. Obviously, yeah. it was about a race out, but you were spot on. I got so. yeah, Qatar. That was a weird one because like the didn't he did he win the title on the sprint in the end or did he because Perez did. crashed? Yeah, he won the title in the sprint because of the Hockenberg Perez Ocon crash. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that was a weird way to do it. But yeah, Qatar didn't even need the race on Sunday. No, Jeez. no. Very Why not? Whilst we're here, mm. let's do another one. Will any other team win a race this season? Well, I mean... What? Yeah, well, that, that's the thing. Did we say at least one? We said it was too much of an opportunity with there being so many races. Red Bull surely can't go the full year and win every single race. The There's too many options for things to go wrong for it to happen. Well, the, 
Well, the, the, the ironic thing is the race that they lost, it wasn't even one of those mad scenarios. It was just they didn't have the pace at Singapore. Yeah, because I said on pure pace, Red Bull will not lose a race this season. <laughs> you said something mad would have to happen. Not really. Uh, no, it didn't <laughs> in the end. It was just, yeah, just the car wasn't good at Singapore. But boy, did they come close to a perfect season. They did. Now, if I were to tell you that you said McLaren were the team that were going to win the race... Well, I mean, was I right? Was I wrong? I mean... <laughs> no, no, that's the thing. I, I said Mercedes, so... Well, none of us had faith in Ferrari, apparently. No. Well, it was... Well, to be fair, around that time, it was looking pretty bad. It was very dire mid-season. Very, yeah. very dire. <laughs> so, almost Eric. Uh, almost as Eric. Yeah, almost as dire as Eric. Yeah, good stuff. Um, not that dire, apparently, though. But yeah, not not the bench of Tottenham Hotspur, apparently. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there we go. So just about yeah, they just about missed out. But yeah, on the day itself, it wasn't it wasn't that it, it was a mad race in the sense that what it turned into, but it had nothing to do with Red Bull. Absolutely nothing. Uh, which was uh, yes, a nice welcome, nice welcome, uh, nice welcome boost. Mm. Um, on that subject, actually. Uh, I asked, could any of the number two drivers in the top teams upset their status quo? And this was referring to Russell, Sainz, and Perez and their respective teammates. So I had, well, we both emphatically had Perez no. And that was, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, early on, it was looking like, a, you know, there's a chance, but not really. But that, that, yeah, first four races. Mm, yeah, look how that went. That went uh, and disappeared very, very quickly. Uh, so obviously what led us to focus on science and Russell. Uh, my, I think what science was he needed a big step up and even the start of the season went pretty poorly. And it was very poor, which as it has it always been with science and Ferrari. Not great. Yeah, it didn't start well, but made a big step up during the season, of course, and you know, obviously was yeah, was in the best form of his career, I thought, between the Singapore race and the Italian Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So it wasn't enough, though, to... Well, it almost was enough. He lost... He went from 4th to 7th on the last race of the season, which was tough, but uh, he'd have stinker of a Abu Dhabi. Uh, absolute stinker. He wasn't even in the car. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even, he wasn't even the car that was affected by the uh, young driver, uh, FP1, and, yeah, crashing FP2, and, yeah, still ended up absolutely nowhere. So that was unfortunate for him. Uh, but I said Russell had the biggest chance to do so. Uh, based yeah. on what he'd seen and I still, I still think that was it was right in the sense that of the two I thought he had the best chance against his teammate given that he had just done it and Leclerc had pretty convincingly beat Science in 2022 and should have done it in 2021 um, but that did not turn out to be the case with Russell and Science barely missed out so yeah um, you had similar lines with Russell and Science as well yeah, they, they, that, was, that was just, it was only logical for them two to be the ones that could close the gap. Paris was never going to close the gap. No. But and, that was looking a bit dire for the first four races. Yeah, <laughs> and then it went to as big as you could possibly imagine. Yeah. So, yes, that was a rough one. Although, again, Perez was much better towards the end of the season. There was a steady run from Qatar onwards that he looked much better than he had been. So, I think there's some good progress made there. Hmm. Uh, is it ever enough? Likely not against Verstappen. Which team principal would make the biggest impact in 2023? Obviously, there's a host of changes as we 
as we know, from 22 to 23 uh, personnel-wise. Uh, the answers here were pretty simple. Uh, we both put forward Vassur and James Vowles, who we know has the most to clean up. Yeah. Um, not to underestimate how much Vassur had to clean up, of course, but obviously the, the situation with uh, Williams was pretty rough after Jos Capito and the details that emerged out of that. But uh, we're both in fashion in that. Did you have anything to add on Vassour or Vowels? I, I just had Fred down. Uh, the others are too in, inexperienced or unknown for them to really make that much of an impact in comparison to the others. Mm. We did throw out a hypothetical, like imagine James Vowles at McLaren. I didn't. I had forgotten we did that. I still looking at did that we? now. Yeah, like, it's like imagine if we imagine if we imagine if Vowles was at McLaren. That would be nice. I'd I, like that. I still look, I listen to that. It's like, oh, that does still sound very nice. I like that. We did, however, say McLaren may have missed the ball and missed the play with Stella and that he may not be ready. Yeah, if they had got James Vowles in, that would have been nice. It would have been, Jeez. but we were ultimately wrong, so far at least, with Stella. Uh, yeah. He's done a Stella job. Yes, so it did seem odd. I still think at the time it was an odd choice to do. Bush. Yeah, considering McLaren's status, anyway. Yeah, just the other personnel that were around and all of that. And but yeah, no, Stella absolutely nailed it. It was, of course, his. Uh, it was his investigation into affairs that led to the obviously the the key sacking, the the change of technical uh, structure at McLaren, bringing you know, in he, players like Rob Marshall from Red Bull. Yeah, David um, David Sanchez. So like you know. These are all things that Stella led the, was at the forefront at during the season. So I mean, he's responsible for for a, a large part of this turnaround here mid season. So yeah, fair play. Uh, we were wrong on that one. Yeah. And then we tried to predict who the best of the rest would be. This was a basically Formula One point five, which was because we were working under the assumption that it could be similar or at least had the chance and parts to be similar to twenty twenty two, where we only had one driver outside the top three in Norris get a podium but that form no, not. that form could not have been more shaken up this year could have yeah it really couldn't we had so many podiums it was like 2020 again yeah literally I mean you look through like we had Alonso obviously immediately uh, we had the both McLarens both Alpines as well yeah so yeah it was a free for all other than the lap stroll <laughs> yeah so unlucky son but yeah that that was yeah that was whew, we could not have been more wrong about how that was going to play and look to be fair like 2022 it was you know it was a bit dull in that sense wasn't a, a spice outside the top three teams but yeah that did change in a big way this this year that was a that's a very good thing yeah uh, I, I put down mercedes here which is which is funny <laughs> yeah you were you were very low on mercedes um, you did also have Gasly, which was looking good for a time, because uh, yeah. he was almost ahead of Stroll. But uh, yeah, Stroll had some good results late on, and that kind of put him put him out of reach again. But yeah, either on so, uh, which I mean, to be fair, the car finished fifth in the standings, and he finished fourth. Yeah. So, looking at that, he should have finished. You know, if you want to go by that logic, he should have finished ninth or tenth. But obviously, that's that's not that's not exactly that's obviously not the whole situation there. But yeah, so he did outperform that uh, relative to Stroll, at least, who finished tenth in the standings. So well done to him. <laughs> uh, next up, then, 
Uh, ah, yes, this is where this angle will come in. The big make or break year for a driver in 2023. Um, there is one direction this went in. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll save that angle of things because it leads into our next one. But a couple of names we threw out there. Logan Sargent, of course, was a logical one to throw in there. Yeah. And, well, he almost broke us, but... <laughs> uh, I had Joe here, which was a little strange, I think, in retrospect, but... I, I had uh, Neck De Vries. Not Nick, Neck De Vries. <laughs> yeah, not, not like an old Paul De Vries. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could have been more right with that. I, I was. I just thought he'd be given the year. I just. It just he, never he crossed definitely my breaked. Mind. <laughs> definitely breaked this year, man. Yeah. Uh, I had the. I'm pleased with this angle that I went with because I had that. This it wouldn't be so much for the ne for this year, but for next year. And so like laying the foundations down for this year, for heading into contract years in 2024. So I had Bottas, Ocon, Sainz, and Perez. Now, yeah. Bottas, I, you know, Bottas and Ocon, you know, you can kind of throw out in a sense, like that's, that's kind of TBD, so to speak. Sainz did not start very well at all. And there were other rumors floating around that he could go to Audi and this kind of thing. He definitely saved himself this season. And I imagine he'll, he'll sign an extension at Ferrari. I don't, again, the years, the, the duration will be interesting. However, it has been a make or break year for Sergio Perez, who I still think to this point is a dead man walking in that car. And that has, unless he comes out with a stellar 24, the damage done this season has been pretty damn telling and i think it has it, it was a make or break year in that sense and, and definitely now we couldn't have seen it getting as bad as it did but it has laid a very weak foundation for 2024 science has come on a quite strong foundation now but perez yeah, is very very weak so i'm pretty pleased with uh with this with this one on my end yeah literally science has built up his foundations whereas perez has basically kicked all of his own down yeah so he you spawn really yeah, pretty pleased about that one. Uh, however, our leading answer, which is also the same answer as uh, who we thought 2023 would be the last year in F1 for, and this is the part where we have to mop up a, quite a bit of egg off our face. Uh, this is bad because he's the most improved driver of this yeah, year, according to last week. <laughs> that's the thing as well. It's Yuki Sonoda. We were very low on Sonoda heading into this year. I, I don't think we were wrong to be, in a sense. Like, he had a very... I think everybody was. Yeah, he, like... Again, like Franz Toss was not very high on it either, and he's kind of again, everyone's pumping up DeVries and all of that. But Sonoda, I yeah. mean, he made Red Bull look bad, man. Really has because they, there's been no interest whatsoever in Sonoda, and I think he'd do a perfectly good job somewhere else other than being in a in a Red Bull car. They're they're, they're sleeping on him, man. Really yeah, are. I'm fascinated because I I think we'll. We'll talk about this next year, of course, but in passing, we, I think we can both agree this will be his last year in Alpha Tauri in 2024. So, technically, that was this year, Graham. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, if we were to, uh, <laughs> what, what, what we said, yeah, technically, but not to be. Uh, but we, th I think next year will be his last year in Alpha Tauri, but it'd be interesting where it he goes on the grid after that. And yeah, it's not so he. The others, yeah, like he he made his. This was a make or break year for him, absolutely. Like that that was, it was definitely the yeah, it absolutely was a make or break year. But it definitely wasn't his last year. He did go in the other direction. He had, I think, like three 
I think like three P10s, a few P11s at the start of the year where the car was awful. Depending how you view the Joe accident in Spain, could have had even more points. Uh, was unlucky to lose out to Magnussen at the end of the uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix there with uh, with that one, bit of a dive. But anyways, uh, you have some excellent point scoring finishes, a couple of Yukiisms, so to speak, at the likes of Mexico. Mexico, obviously being the main one. That was a tough one that ended up costing them seventh. But the only reason they were in the chance to be in the hunt for seventh because some of the excellent work so they've done for most of the year and. Mark, who his teammate was, he was better than them. I don't care what everyone says about Lawson. He didn't get a fair whip. Uh, he finished ahead of Lawson at Zanvoort and had a penalty for uh, an incident with Russell, apparently, which was odd, I think, or some other accent that I think was a bit dubious. Didn't even get to start the Grand Prix at Monza and was not let through at Japan for inexplicable reasons. Yeah. He was on a miles better strategy and was just let left to sit in uh, Lawson's dirty air and he was clearly quicker. So... Very odd one, and I, I think he was on balance better than Ricardo across the uh, stint, with the exception, of course, of Mexico. But other than that, I think Sonoda was the stronger of the two and culminated with a season-best result at Abu Dhabi at the end on an incredible one-stop effort, has to be said. It was, yeah. So, yeah, Sonoda, I think, in large part, absolutely smashed it this year. Uh, definitely the most improved driver. That wasn't Joe in the end. It was easily Sonoda, and... Yeah, no matter who it was, uh, that you know, with the many teammates that he was there, I think Snowden was on balance the best of the bunch. So, yeah, absolutely nailed it. And, yeah, big year for him next year because he's gone from the position of, if he doesn't, you know, how far can he vault up the grid here? I mean, like, can he put himself in contention for a Red Bull seat? Can he get himself into an Alpine or an Aston Martin or an Audi or something? Like, you know, uh, as a, there's, a, there's a significant chance for him to step into something here in 2025. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, he's put himself in absolutely good standing. Shop window. Absolutely. But he needs to, you know, he can't... Carry on. He has to, has to keep going. He, has to, he can't just... Yeah, he's got to... He's just got to do a little bit of 24. Like, yeah, this is real. Uh, this is still real. And be like, right. Because as soon as he shows he can still do it, then, then it's not going to take long for something to uh, crop up for him, I imagine. Next, uh, getting close here. Uh, next then, how long will Lewis Hamilton's next contract run? Now, this saga ran for a, quite a lot of the year, to be fair. Lots of if, buts, whens, maybes, who, when, what, mm. why. Ferrari chats here and there. Well, apparently not, but yeah. yeah well, Red Bull chats. Yeah, well, <laughs> allegedly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all over the place. Does it? As it probably should be for someone of Lewis's stature, but in the end, none of that really mattered, did it? Because he unfortunately committed himself to Mercedes for his own good hmm. well we <laughs> we kind of expected that to be the case we were curious yeah. as to how long it would be so I guess three years with an option for four uh, That's, which was bold it was but in the sense the comments he was talking he was basically saying that he yeah. would be here for the foreseeable future I just thought three years made sense you had a different t- you had you were right and wrong in the same vein yeah I had a, a till the end of 2023 and then an option for an extra year on Lewis's side. So obviously I meant 2024 with an option for 2025. Hmm. So You had the duration, right? They both ended up going for 25, the two Mercedes. Yeah. Do we think, Just, I, I, do, well, we, do we think there's a small chance Russell leaves at the end of 25? To go where, though? Yeah. A Ferrari? It's, it's literally Aston, Ferrari, McLaren. No, I think he'd be silly to leave, wouldn't he? Be silly. If he has another down year, like next year. 
he doesn't leave off his own bat, does he? You think he gets he's... kicked out? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Russell would be stupid to leave a factory team. Stupid. He just needs a way for Hamilton to go, really, and it's just yeah. That's fully, what I'm saying. Fully it would be stupid. His team. Yeah. yeah. Assuming exactly. that Antonelli doesn't usurp him beforehand, which would be hilarious. Which I think will will happen personally, but we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll you know give. Russell's earned a few years' grace in that. Like we can't talk about Antonelli in that stance, stance just yet. But yeah, yeah I think exactly. it would be hilarious. Um, speaking of in that aspect of things and junior drivers we asked if Red Bull Alpine or Fry would promote any of their junior drivers or any team would promote a junior driver to race for them uh, in 2024 um, well I'm not happy with this yeah mine's isn't great either I mean yours was sound but uh, well actually you had a you had like two prongs to this which is very interesting I, I apparently I have three according to this you had four <laughs> actually did I? Oh, yeah. God. Now, you split this into two parts, if you remember. I do not remember. Okay, so you had four to come up, but you caveat this with two would be in reserve roles. Okay. And then two would be full-time. Right. So, obviously, I, I have written down that Dewan will get promoted, so that must have been a reserve role. That was one of the reserve roles. Um... I have Red Bull promote Fittipaldi, obviously into Alvatari, I was thinking at this yeah, time. Yeah, he did. Which wasn't bad logic, because he was sort of the most experienced one, apart from Hauger. It was just pick a, what, like, pick a Red Bull driver, like a Red Bull Junior, which yeah. one do you fancy? And he was probably the most successful one based off the previous year. Um, so I was looking at that angle. And then I had Behrman to get promoted via Ferrari somehow. It's not unreasonable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, Just a little bit. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Behrman do Behrman do and you had for reserves and Porcher and Enzo for for uh, full time seats. Now I yeah the I had uh, Porcher to go up and we were working on the assumption and you you said you remember you talked about this you you were talking you described like Porcher was almost giddy at the like in the commentary we've been testing because he. I think he's basically received assurance that if he'd won the F2 title, he'd be going up the following year. Mm. Uh, he did That's win the F2 title, good. and yeah. he's not going up because it was pretty damn unconvincing, to say the least. Yeah. So, unfortunate for him. Uh, I, yeah, obviously I lend into the Red Bull angle as well, and I had Maloney to be the one to go up. Now, the basis <laughs> of this... You know, go down, you mean? Well, Yeah. <laughs> The basis of this was it was all to do with the the form he had shown at the end of F three, where he had vaulted himself almost into title contention by winning the final three feature races in F yeah. three. And to be fair, he had a very good ending to the F two season. So I actually think if he does get to do another season in F two, I think he will be one to watch because he was one of the better drivers towards the end of the season here in F two. Well, he is doing another season of two. Oh, that's right. He's confirmed for um, Marlon again. That's right. Yeah. So there, there you go. So, but his form at the end of the season was very, very good. Now, whether that matters or not in the new car, we'll see. But, anyways, it was not. His is yeah. His, his standing up to that point, yeah, in F two this year wasn't wasn't brilliant. So yeah, that was an unfortunate one on my end. Uh, we asked the question as well whether Daniel Ricciardo or Mick Schumacher will return to F one for twenty twenty four. I thought Schumacher would get a chance to return. I'm almost surprised he didn't get... Well, I mean, the Ricardo thing kind of screws things here somewhat here, but 
Um, yeah, I was just going to say, is the Ricardo anger that sort of screws everybody in every scenario? Yeah, very much so. Because there was a lot of uh, a lot of praise from Tost by Mick Schumacher. I think they would have been interested in doing something there. Yeah. But uh, and that ended up not happening. And obviously, yeah, things changed after Harry mid-season and lost move up the pecking order quite a bit. Uh, so that, that changed. I had Mick down for a yes. Uh, that did not happen and now Mick is going off to race with Alpine in WEC so yes unlikely to return for now and you had you went in the other direction yeah I put no space in 2024 uh, until 2024 <laughs> wrong <laughs> unless something drastic changes and uh, lo and behold something did so you did have Ricardo to come back and but we didn't didn't expect it would be halfway through uh, or even less than halfway 23. through 23 so and with Alphatari no less so there you go yeah that did yeah that yeah. did kill a lot of different things for the market didn't it good did because uh, yeah not only not only that but like if Ricardo it's, it's, it's a whole butterfly effect thing like if Ricardo hadn't come back you know does the person in that other seat break their hand probably not and then you never get this loss in discussion so you know what I mean? Like it's so it's it is very very interesting the, uh, the the different ramifications that Ricardo coming back actually had up and down the grid, whether you realise it or not. Yeah, it did actually. Uh, another driver that was rumoured to make a, a Indy or sorry a, um, an Alfatari seat was a uh, Colton Herta, and we asked if we would see an Indy car driver make the jump to F one. Now this led uh-huh. into your wacky side of things for a uh, prediction. Yeah, which I sort of did off my own bat, didn't I? Because I said no, in terms of it depending on what happens with Alvatari and whether Andretti and we're allowed into F1 for 2024, i.e. Alvatari being sold to either Andretti or an outside team, should I say. But then I just sort of went off my own bat and said Daniel Ricciardo will go to Andretti instead. So, you know, great. You did say that, yep, that was unfortunate. Um, I said possibly Hersha, yeah, but it depends on the Andretti entry, which is still TBD, and uh, Hersha doesn't have the super license points anyway. So, yes, but for now, I think we're not we're not quite ready to see an IndyCar driver make those jump to F1, but I still think it will happen in the next five years. Yeah. The shock of the season, then, we try to figure out the shock of the silly season would be. Um, I, yeah, see... We both. Oh, I would caveat this, especially with. I said this year would be pretty stagnant uh, in terms yeah. of driver movement, and it, it was. It was. It could not have been any more stagnant, actually. Uh, uh, you know, the mid-season replacement notwithstanding, uh, we have the same grid to start as we did to end this season. Uh, the only thing that would actually shock, uh, would create any shock, it would be either Hamilton retired or if Stroll was booted out and. Neither of the things happened, and so no shocks to be had this season for silly season. Although you could, well, Ricardo coming back was a was probably was the, was the shock. It was really, the but, shock, but yeah. not one we expected. So yeah, there you go. But other than that, nothing, nothing in the water there. Uh, you had Andretti's side of things if they entered, and that didn't materialize either. So that that went there went that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we then we then tried to predict the twenty twenty four F one grid. Uh, we were we were in unanimous agreement that. Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, Alpine, McLaren, Aston Martin would all be the and Haas would all be the same. Um, yeah, we both agreed Sorry. it would be Bottas and Porcher. Yep. So it all came down. To be fair, we were pretty right with this. The, see, the drama driver-wise all came down to AlphaTauri and Williams. 
Yeah, it was, yeah, spot on. So we did, we did that very well. Now, we both got this pretty wrong, uh, in a sense. I predicted Maloney and... Either Maloney or Hauger and Nick DeVries, because we were kind of thinking that it would be the last season for Sonoda. So, oh dear. Yeah. Not only did that not happen, uh, but DeVries got booted out. Uh, no, yeah, so not only did Sonoda have an excellent season... Maloney didn't kick on, didn't get called up, neither did Hauger, and DeVries got sacked mid-season, so that was uh, not great. Uh, however, I fear it's not as bad as what I had afterwards, because I actually thought, I looked back at this and I thought, I've not admitted him, have I? And uh, I did, I did. I had Mick Schumacher and Jack Dewan to uh, be at Williams, and I thought, <laughs> have I just forgotten Alex Albon? But no, I made special mention that album will be offed and for the second i i thought i genuinely did <laughs> oh I, my God, I genuinely yeah, actually moment. didn't even realize i'd i'd uh, written off album in some capacity again this year i genuinely thought it was i would I'd, I'd learned my lesson after last year but no i hadn't apparently and as it turned out i thought the album would be offed at the end of this year and that was that this may be my gracious sin this year again it's more so because it's a repeat offense yeah. So yeah, you need to learn, man. Don't, yeah, don't stand I, I think, for someone when they've done well the year before. Yeah, I've yeah, I'm afraid I've learned pretty roughly. I've yeah, this <laughs> that was bad. That was argument like there was there was a you could even make a justification for 2022, like coming back and all that, and after the Red Bull stuff and all of that. Uh, there was no excuse this year, was there? And I it was all to, it was I did to be fair it was it was to do with the fact that it was Val's in charge and it was his lineup etc. Um, and his choice and such and Alvin obviously wasn't his choice originally and all of that and the Red Bull stuff etc so but all of that was cast to the side and Alvin was one of the better drivers of the season so yeah that was that's probably my worst one I will say this driver lineup here between Alpha Tauri and uh, and Williams so that was yeah I gave decent reasoning for Dewan and Schumacher I still think Dewan would have been decent but uh, anyways Yes, not great on my uh, on my behalf. Uh, you had, well, I mean, your reasoning was also sound for your choices. Yeah, I had Fittipaldi and De Vries at AlphaTauri, which is, again, similar to you. You just went for a different Red Bull Junior. Mm -hmm. And then I kept on Alex at Williams, of course. <laughs> like a normal obviously. person, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the one that I saw bad for the last couple of years, which is uh, Guan Yu Zhou. Could still happen. Yeah. Um, you, you highlighted the consistency aspect of it, which I think is a pretty sound argument for. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and money. And money, yeah, never never hurts. Uh, although Albon's brought a significant amount of that this year. So <laughs> <laughs> We then tried to predict the top five and bottom five drivers of the season. Uh, now, we'll start at the top, because this is not as fun. Oh, do we have to? I'm afraid we do, uh, because well, you got you got you got pretty excited, mm. shall we say? I was very excited <laughs> because me being me and being the Alonso fan that I am, as Alonso has Alonso in first place. Yeah, you did do that. Can you blame me though? Um, can you blame me for being on board of the Alonso hype train for, for once? to finish ahead of Verstappen? Yeah, I think I can on this one. Yeah. I'm afraid. Um, I'm afraid so. I had Max obviously at first. I had Leclerc in second, and you had Verstappen in second. Uh, yeah, I mean the Leclerc thing was just 
it was just the fact that well Perez was in the Red Bull and there you go like in the, um, arguably the best car everyone's ever seen and there you go. Mind, I have Perez in seventh on mine. You do have Perez in seventh. That's right. Um, I don't know. What, I don't know what you were thinking. Oh god, technically, the, you know, I was kind of right. Uh, no, there's. Take out the midpoint of the season. Take out the start of the season. Oh dear. Yes, that was that was poor. Leclerc then. I mean, Leclerc didn't even finish in the top three. So that was there was that. Um, I had Perez third, which almost happened. Yep. Uh, you had Leclerc in third. Then, as after that, uh, we both had Hamilton in fourth. Yeah, uh, he finished third in the end. Not a million miles away, so that wasn't too bad. Uh, I last minute changed signs from third to fifth, and that almost ended up becoming the case as well. Had things gone differently, Abu Dhabi. But uh, anyways, he ended up finishing seventh. Uh, you had Russell, <laughs> who did finish. Oh, actually, he finished eighth, didn't he? He did. So that was unfortunate. Uh, I had Russell in sixth. You had Science in sixth. Again, very close for you. Science just, yeah, it was, uh, look, again, the margins between fourth and seventh were extremely close. Six points separated. So, you know, there's not much to choose from uh, in the end. But yeah, Science in in seventh, you had him sixth. I had Alonso in seventh. And you had Perez in seventh, as you you mentioned. Well, we were both pretty wrong on those. I think you're, yeah, completely wrong. your blunder is a little bit worse than mine, to say the least. But, uh, anyways, um, <laughs> yeah. So we got, so who we get? I got Max right, and that was it. And I believe you were over seven. <laughs> yeah. So unlucky, son. Uh, maybe next year. Bottom five. This is arguably where things get a bit more fun. Uh, now, uh, hard to just like, yeah. This one's a little bit more interesting. Um, well, who do we have at the bottom? I had... Well, we were both Logan at the bottom. Yeah. Which <laughs> really should have been the case, but due to some disqualification shithousery that happened, uh, ended up giving up points, so that was that. But yeah, Sargent did not finish 20th. Uh, he finished 21st, actually, so you know, maybe it was actually better than we thought. Uh, or worse he than did. we thought. So anyways, yeah, Lawson was... Uh, for all intents and purposes here, nine, uh, well, yeah, 20, well, gosh, we can't even use 19th, yeah, jeez. Anyway, I had Albon after that. Uh, whoops. <laughs> I had Albon I had Drogovic. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, not, not great from me. Obviously, I was um, sort of thinking about Drogovic racing in Bahrain. So. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. That is, you know, as, as arguably as bad as my Albon one. <laughs> yeah, it's funny though. It's very good for the memes. Oh dear! Um, for your for your actual nineteen, I have you down for Devries. Yeah, yeah. Which wasn't a bad <laughs> was not a bad shout. I had Devries in eighteenth. You had Sonoda in eighteenth. Um, Devries was of course twenty second and last. Sonoda was fourteenth. Yeah. Uh, Sergeant was twenty first, as we mentioned. After that, uh, I had seventeenth. Yuki, you had Albon for seventeenth. It wasn't a bad shot from Albon, for Albon, I don't think. But Albon finished thteenth in the end. Yeah, like yeah. It, it was optimistic, and he ended up performing that. So not a bad shot. I'm not, not happy with the fact that I've got Hulkenberg in ninth. You do have Hulkenberg in ninth. You also have Piastri in sixteenth. Yeah, I was very low on McLaren. Yeah, I, I similarly had Piastri close to that range, but not quite like, similar for you to the car. I had Kevin Magnussen in sixteenth, and 
Well, no, I, I, he was 19th. But Hulkenberg was 16th. So. <laughs> so I believe that was a fash zero for us on that one as well. But difficult to predict these yeah. things, but it was funny. Right, teams. Actually, sorry, we'll do this. We'll do the next, next the champions next, and then we'll finish off with the team standings. Um, unless you have any more mid season ones to throw in. Um, no. Champions then. Uh, obviously, I had Verstappen, you had Alonso. Uh, very funny. Um, Red Bull, <laughs> we both had. Very much for that. I had Dewan for F2. Uh, I still think that was he was the best driver. Sound. But yeah. uh, even like the race even did their, I think it was uh, the race of race fans did their F2 driver rankings. He was at the top of it. I still think he was the best F2 driver there in, the, in that field. But Yeah, just not consistent enough. Just the, the first first half season with uh, Virtuosi was shit. And yeah, that yeah, that was that. You had Behrman, which was... Uh, Funny. Well, considering he had like one point after like three rounds, yeah, but obviously he's one of the ones to watch. So, um, not quite the champion, but obviously one of the quicker drivers on the grid. So, yeah, not too bad. F3, we went a bit awry, to be fair. Um, no, my shot is terrible for F3. <laughs> I had a combination of a few. I thought Carl Pinto's returning driver would do better, uh, as uh, well, I thought with Saucy, who isn't, yeah, who could not have fallen off harder further, but did end up in a decent spot after in the end. In, uh, in WEC yeah. uh, Boganovic then I thought maybe had a chance but not, didn't even get a race win in, in, in the end I don't think um, but not not unreasonable but yeah Carpenter was a little disappointing in that regard uh, yes yours was interesting my I went with Sam Montoya yeah that wasn't great <laughs> uh, none of us even mentioned Bortoletto not even a whisper of a mention we mentioned no. Aaron we mentioned uh, a whole bunch of other people, but not Mon- uh, not uh, not Bortoletto. So I don't know what that tells you. <laughs> IndyCar, <laughs> we uh, both had Scott McLaughlin. That was a poor shout. That was a very poor shout this year. <laughs> well, I mean, looking back now, sure, like it was dominated by it was dominated by Pillow, of course. But I didn't hate the shout at the time. I thought it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we both had Verline similarly for Formula E, which. Was close. Technically close, yeah. Uh, didn't hold up in the end. Dennis got that done in London. And then you had a MoGP prediction then as well. Uh, which was? Bagnaya. Who? Yeah, which was correct. Which, yeah. You, yeah and you mentioned Ducati as well, so. <laughs> there we go. Uh, right, the last one then I have here is we tried to predict then the drivers, uh, sorry, the constructor standings for the year ahead for 2023 now we both had the same top two yeah we both had red bull and ferrari um red bull was correct of course ferrari was close it should have been, been really it should have been but it was not they missed out at the end there thanks to scientists shithousery at uh, abu dhabi but not, again not really but uh, uh, well, technically it was the las vegas streets shithousery there were sort of porters on the back four there, but yeah, that wasn't kind either. But it, a lot of different. It, it's a lot. You don't. It's a long season, and it's never for one thing, is it? Uh, I had Mercedes in third again, close, but not quite the cigar. Uh, you had uh, Aston Martin, which I mean, it was a sound show. I think it just didn't pay off because yeah, one driver, you know. Yeah, not not the worst show in the world. Uh, to do, I'd Aston in fourth, which almost happened. Um, should have, and then that one should have happened. Hmm. So it did not. You had Mercedes, uh, which was unfortunate. But um, <laughs> uh, fifth, I had Alpine. It's best of the rest, which at the time sound. was a sound one because they were looking quite good, and obviously McLaren were terrible. Uh, you 
had an interesting choice here, I will say. Did I? Yeah. I have Alpine down here. Oh, that was not what you said on the podcast. Oh, God. You said Haas. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I didn't, did I? Oh, I'm afraid. I'm afraid so. Okay. So I must have swapped Haas and Alpine then. I, I, yes, I believe you did. Um, I'm McLaren 6th. You had Alfa Romeo, despite saying earlier in the podcast that you had uh, Alpha, uh, McLaren close to 6th. <laughs> so well done. Uh, well done on that. I had Haas in 7th, which, I mean, they could have gotten if they had tyres, but they did not. So. <laughs> no real tyres for them. No. So <laughs> that we can't pay, put pay to that. You'd Alpine then in 7th. Yay. So. Yes, I'm fortunate for that one. I had Alfa Romeo in... Uh, oh, sorry, that's six, isn't it? Um, no, sorry, sorry, this is eighth. I had Alfa Romeo in eighth. Um, I had McLaren in eighth, oh God. You did, yeah. You went from six to eight in less than one podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations for that. Uh, I had Alfa Tari in ninth, as did you, and we both had Williams in tenth. So... Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, your hassle is pretty bad. We both... It's a blunder, yeah. It's pre- yeah, it's a pretty rough one. We McLaren both... and Haas are both bad there. Yeah, even the McLaren in 8th is pretty bad. Like, McLaren in 6th is somewhat forgivable on my end, but 8th uh, is a rough one. We both underrated Albon. I'm not even going to say Williams. We both under- Well, sorry, I underrated Albon, um, but you underrated Williams as a whole. Um, we both did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Avatari, I mean, to be fair, ninth was looking like... I mean, they were looking for 10th for most of that season. Yeah. So, you know, they did well to get 8th out of that. And yeah, Alfa Romeo ended up being in ninth. So, yeah. I mean, I almost had a Ferrari and Mercedes in the correct order. And Aston should have been correct. But anyways, not too upset with that on my end. Uh, your end, I'd be a little bit more upset by. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not not too happy with it, to be honest. But... <laughs> Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. I, even at the time, I was surprised you put Haas in that position. But uh, yeah, never again. Yeah, you look. You live and you learn. But uh, there you go. That's that was our 2023 preseason prediction. So we had some good ones in there. We had some uh, we bizarre had, ones from you and me. Yeah, we both had some pretty poor ones uh, as well. Um, yes. I, yeah. Look, that balances out, doesn't it? You get some. You get some good ones. You get some pretty pretty shit ones at the same time and uh, the uh, the vein of my existence for two years in a row is with Alex Albon <laughs> yeah if you do it again next year then you will be hunted down apparently. yeah I deserve to be at this stage because yeah my my opinion has been made to change on Alex Albon at this stage of course so it has to have been yeah oh no it definitely has like it's there's no there's you know fool me once you know uh, and then fool me twice all that so oh uh, yes uh, thanks Alex Alvin, for making me look stupid for two years in a row but yeah anything else to add before we uh, wrap up for today no that's it from me mm. uh, just in terms of what you can expect over the next few weeks uh, obviously the holidays are upon us uh, next week so if you celebrate happy holidays and all of that uh, I know we'll be both be away for parts of it uh, podcasting does not stop though I believe when is, the, when is actually when is the date of a uh, holidays and stuff fall this year uh 26th is a monday tuesday so i imagine we'll probably put something out on the wednesday the 27th for um for in terms of a podcast then 
to be released. Uh, it'll just be likely we'll just kind of just go through some of the news uh, that we didn't cover this week and I'm sure maybe stocked up over uh, Christmas for whatever that may be. And we'll have a brief chat about the uh, the teams and the drivers and the kind of just, uh, just in that sense to finally wrap up the uh, season, kind of look at things a bit more individually uh, in terms of teammate battles and um, I guess dynamics heading into the new year. We'll look at uh, on the drivers through each each team. We'll, we'll look through things on that lens as well. So that's what you can expect in the next couple of weeks, and then we'll reconvene properly after uh, after. Uh, well, I'd say the new year basically and we'll, we'll do it all again for 2024 but um, yeah for now again as always just thank you for thank you for listening throughout the year and if you celebrate yeah, very ha- many happy returns uh, yes from uh, from both of us here yes Merry Christmas from me and hope everything is good for the holiday season Yes, uh, I yes, I very much echo that sentiment as well. So, yep, thanks so much for listening as always. I've been Graham. And I have been Luke. And last time before Christmas, yeah. And uh, we, shall, uh, we shall see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>